Impromptu chat number eight on the 6th of September 2016. I'm your host, John LeBon, and this evening we're going to be talking about some very important topics, things like the recent LGBT agenda here in Australia and around the world, things like the alt-right and the role of people like Stefan Molyneux, cultural Marxism in general, a whole bunch of related topics should be very interesting and a lot of fun. And to help me discuss all of those things and more, I'm joined by a very special guest making his debut on the John LeBond channel, and that is Sam from Adelaide. So before we get into the nitty gritty of these important topics, let's throw straight to Sam over there. And Sam, say hello to the world. Hey, John, and hey, world, how are you? Um, it's good to be here. And yeah, I look, I'm looking forward to talking about all this stuff. I mean, it's not something that uh, is in normal everyday life and I consider myself privileged to be on this side of the internet uh, and looking at this stuff and you know it's great I've been a follower of yours for I don't know how long year year and a bit and uh, um, what can I say I mean I uh, about me I grew up in a media family I'll say like in radio and so I got, uh, I was lucky enough to be bypassed the entire bullshit. My, my family, you know, really, you know, they're not, not that, like they said, oh, it's all controlled and it's all whatever. But um, we certainly knew it was, I knew from a young age, it was all, you know, a bit of a joke and a, and a show. Um, and that had allowed me to just go on and, you know, look for things myself. And yeah, I, I understood there were, there were a couple of tears to everything you see. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know what else I would say apart from that. I'm 20, 22 years old and yeah. See, the way I see it, Sam, is that if somebody's in their 50s or 60s and they've decided that the world's going to shit and they're not going to do anything about it, in a way, you can almost say, well, what difference does it make? Because in 20 years, they won't be dealing with the consequences. But myself, I'm in my late 20s. I'm 29, actually. You're 22. In 15 years, a, ch a child today being taught that gender is fluid and boys are girls and girls are boys and all this other nonsense, well, in 15 years, they're going to be full-grown adults and you and I are going to be dealing with them, Sam. So the way I see it, people like yourself and myself and anybody our age or even into your 30s or 40s, we should be speaking out against this. What say you? I think so, John. I, have to, I think uh, it's amazing the climate we've been given to talk about it. I think, I think it's incredible. I think that the fact that the kind of uh, you know what it what it takes to talk about this, or what happens to you when you publicly speak about this, it in itself should be enough reason for everyone to want to talk about it. You know, uh, I thought people of uh, today's world, our generation, usually this is what I thought. Obviously, this isn't this is not true, but yeah, I thought they yeah, go thought against they go those against things. Those. I thought they go against the norm and go against all this kind of stuff, but uh, they're, they're all too happy to lap it up and take part in the witch hunts that happen, you know, when someone speaks on these matters or... Uh. Well, I think what happens is in social situations, a lot of people, especially younger people, they've been programmed to react to certain stimuli in a certain way, just like Pavlovian dogs. And so just like the Pavlovian dog is trained, if a bell rings, it salivates because it thinks it's about to eat. A lot of young people have been trained that if anybody questions things like the LGBT agenda, gay marriage, and a whole bunch of other topics, they instantly have an emotional reaction. They get angry, 
and they start attacking the person who's bringing these topics up. And one of the beauties of the internet is that you can sit there and I can sit there and we can have a discussion and anybody who wants to listen can listen. So we've got about 15 people watching live right now. More might join us later and we will read out comments from the live chat as we go. But the idea tonight is not to upset or offend anyone. Certainly that's not my idea. The idea is to have a chat, three relatively young Australian men about what's happening in Australia today. And we'll come back, because I want, I want to know a bit more about yourself, Sam, give the audience a bit more of a background to who you are and how you got into this. But before we do that, we have been joined by the other special guest who will be taking part in the roundtable tonight. And that's a young man from down there in Melbourne, maybe not quite as young as Sam, but still relatively young. And that's Eccentric Views. Eccentric, can you hear me? Hey, John. We, uh, we did have some technical difficulties. We started a little bit late this evening, so hopefully the listeners can forgive us for that. I suppose you get what you pay for, don't you? But uh, for the benefit of listeners who haven't heard you before there, Eccentric Views, do you want to give the listeners a quick background as to who you are? Yeah, John. Uh, you can call me Gino, of course. Uh, um, uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, I live in Melbourne. I'm 35. I work in a call centre. Um, uh, that's about all I'm willing to disclose at the moment. Well, while you were getting your computer sorted, we've just been chatting with Sam, and he's mentioned he's from Adelaide. He's 22 years old. And I understand, Sam, you have actually been on podcasts uh, in the past, so you're not a complete newbie to all of this. Can I ask you, what got you into publicly airing your views in the first place? Um, I think it's, I think it's, was, it's just the, com the community in general. It's just that that is, that is the culture that I'm that I'm taking in is people of you know, all sorts of opinions, but mainly you know yeah those that buck the system and have facts at their base. Um, that's what I'm incredibly interested in, and so it's what I wanted to emulate, I guess, and and help contribute to. And uh, in the in your previous experience on podcasts, I understand that you do listen to uh, some of the so-called alt right. I'm hoping that. Uh, you'll have some information to share with us later in the show when we do discuss the so-called alt-right later on. I know that Eccentric Views is a big fan of Stefan Molyneux and Gino, while you were sorting out your difficulties, we came up with a rough schedule for the show, so let me share it with you right now. We'll get the intros out of the way, then we'll let you tell us what you think about this Time Magazine pro-LGBT nonsense, then we'll talk about the alt-right and a little bit about Stefan Molyneux. Gino, what do you reckon about that rundown for impromptu number eight? We're up to number eight, are we? Um, yeah, that sounds good. Um, Stefan Molyneux. I don't have much to say about him, to be honest. Um, I only just uh, learnt what the term alt-right meant, or the difference between alt-right and conservative um, the other day, actually. Your mate Tristan Alexander had to explain it to me. Um, yeah, these are all interesting topics. The uh, And that last video that you made, <laughs> um, yeah, we'll get to that later. Alrighty then. Well, uh, I think the listeners can forgive us. We've had the uh, technical difficulties and the whole intro has been a little bit skew-if, but uh, do either of you have anything more you want to add to give the listeners an idea of who you are, or shall we jump straight into the first topic? Let's jump in. Alrighty, so the Time magazine, the background here is a few days ago I released a video uh, entitled um, LGBT Transgender Time Magazine Promoting It, or words to that effect. And what had happened was both Time magazine and People magazine had released articles about a man breastfeeding a child had given birth to and basically talking about it as though it were normal and then I went through a bunch of statistics which show quite clearly that 
uh, post-op transgender people and just transgender people in general uh, have much worse health outcomes. They commit suicide far more often. They're admitted to psychiatric wards far more often. They uh, they don't live uh, particularly happy or healthy lives relative to the population. And those are the statistics. That's not my opinion. Those are statistics. And so the question I was asking was, should this really be normalised, this transgenderism? And eccentric down there in Melbourne, I understand that you have some choice words to say about the matter. So why don't you take it away? Uh, well, I don't. I don't uh, believe it should be. Um, well, I don't know about normalised, but it shouldn't be glorified. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, that, that, those images that you showed on the on, on your last video were quite. Uh, yeah. Perhaps later on we can do a screen share and just uh, just have a, just have a, another look at them. Uh, I don't know. I'm, in, I'm interested to see see them again. So off the top of your head there, Gino, work with me here, mate. What were your thoughts on this general idea? Uh, Time Magazine and People at the exact same time, September 2016, running articles, in the case of Time, a feature article, a cover article, promoting the story of a man who uh, was a woman, then a man, then a woman again to give birth, soon to go back to being a man, breastfeeding a child, and suggesting that this is the modern family. What are your general thoughts on this topic? Well, it's rather confusing, isn't it? Because I, 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 you lost me there. So, hang on. Is it was it a, was it a she? Or was he a she? Or when was? Uh, well, well, it gets to it gets to a point where where what does it even matter anymore? What what is it? What was it? I don't understand. How, so, hang on. Well, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you say that it was it was born a female? Like, yeah, that's right. It was born a female. Then it went, she decided to go a man, but because she's really a, a female, because obviously you know she's really a female. Uh, she had that. Well, she got. She accidentally got knocked up somehow. So someone, someone. Hang on. So as as a woman, but turned into a man. A man somehow stuck a dick in it and got it pregnant somehow. And then she was like, "Whoops! All right. Well, I'm gonna have to go back to a woman now." And then, and then she started breastfeeding. But those images look like a man with like big floppy tits. And then went back to a woman again. Oh my god. Is that, the, is that like the only case ever in the world for that to ever happen or I don't, I don't know, it's not, it's not obviously not a common thing. Okay, so maybe you didn't see the video, Gina. What I explained in it was that this is not the first example. The first example, or at least the person who claims to be the first example of a female to male transgender giving birth was the person dubbed the pregnant man who actually appeared on Oprah and was promoted as this great miracle story of a, a female to male giving birth, etc. But what had happened was the person who was their partner during the birth had then separated from them and they'd accused each other in court documents of alcoholism, physical abuse and even driving the children drunk. And so this wonder story, this story that was used to promote transgender parenting, even on Oprah, the first couple, or what are promoted as the first couple of transgender childbirth, are actually a great uh, test case in what can happen to these families a couple of years down the track. Uh, divorce and accusations of uh, all kinds of abuse. And so that was a point that I made in the video. We've got the first ever transgender parents, probably not the ideal parents. Now we've got this latest one being promoted in people and time. But if we look at the statistics, the empirical statistics from scientific studies, they suggest that transgender people post-op commit suicide something like five times the rate of the average society. And I'll throw to you there, Sam. Generally speaking... Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, can I add to that statistic? Go for it. The the number of suicides doesn't change post op. It um 
it is, you know, they say the, the suicide rate is something like 52% or something like that for those who haven't had the operation. And post-op, it's actually point something of a percentage more. Yeah, and that, that was one of the points that I made in the video was I found uh, an article from 10 years ago printed in The Guardian from 2004, I believe, and they had a, a surgeon who performs these um, transgender operations and it was put to him that uh, people post-op were committing suicide, etc. And his reply was, yeah, well, if they don't get these operations, they'll commit suicide uh, anyway. So it's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. And obviously yeah, the issue here but, isn't... But you can get a bill for it if you do. Well, surgeons have that vested interest, don't they? And so the issue here is, regardless of what it is that's causing the, the suicide, if it's the operations or the lack of operations or whatever, transgender people are clearly and evidently and provably far more susceptible to mental health problems and even suicide and psychiatric um, you know, hospitalization than the average population. So the smart person has to ask the question, Sam, why the hell would anyone promote this as normal, especially to children? Yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing, John. Transsexualism is a fetish. It's fetishism. Like, it, it, it's plain and simple. It's, it's a fringe fetish type of uh, engagement in action. It, it, it's, it's obvious that that's the case. For years, people have treated it like the case. That's why you pay it out and all this kind of stuff. And suddenly, it's, it's being encouraged to our children and it's being encouraged to university-aged kids and all this kind of stuff it's it's a fetish that destroys identity it, it takes you through the the fucking washer of identity and and ruins you at the other side and they're encouraging it well here's a question what were you taught about sexuality and gender in school like you're only 22 so you were yeah. in high school only what four or five years ago what yeah. was being taught at your school about gender and sexuality back in your day well i left i left at the end of the year 10 but uh, to me, what I remember, and this is not, there was no such thing as fluidity, um, but I, I remember everything about chromosomes, and I remember um, it was very biologically based. There, was no, there were no questions. I did, I did go to private school. I don't know if that's uh, the difference there, and I don't know what they would have taught at a public school. But See, the reason I ask this is because at universities, even back when I first got there, the best part of a decade ago, the idea of sexual fluidity was being taught. The Kinsey scale, it's called Kinsey, K-I-N-S-E-Y, after Alfred Kinsey, a guy who developed this decades ago. Back in, uh, it might have been the 60s, I think, he developed this Kinsey scale. And what he was suggesting was that sexuality wasn't a binary. Men love women, women love men. And, of course, back then, uh, homosexuality was considered a, um, like a mental disorder. What he was suggesting was it's not a binary, it's a scale. And so at one end of the scale, you've got people who are completely heterosexual. At the other end, you've got people who are completely homosexual. And then most people, or a lot of people, are in between on the scale. And I think it was like a seven-point scale. And that was being taught in arts and social science degrees in Australia uh, 10 years ago. And what I'm suggesting is they're going to start teaching this in high schools if they haven't already. And so what you're saying is they weren't teaching this at your school uh, back in your day. No. No, but I, I went to a uh, I went to a few schools, but uh, the school that I ended up at was quite it was quite uh, you know small small numbers in the classroom and all this kind of stuff. There wasn't there wasn't any of this kind of thing. They had a, they had a good lockdown on what they wanted to teach us and what they didn't want to teach us and all this kind of thing. There wasn't there wasn't any fringe anything. There wasn't you know the group of lefties in the quad or whatever. It was all very you know 
astute kind of people. But uh, hey, I could certainly... Yes, Gino. Sorry to interrupt, Sam. I, I thought that you'd finished what you were saying. No, Continue. that's okay, brother. Um, yeah, I was just... Because uh, we we're, were discussing what they're teaching in schools these days. Um, and young Sam there was in high school a few years ago. I, I actually asked a friend of mine who's a, who's a current primary school teacher. I think he teaches uh, you know, um, grade two, grade four. And I think he's like in the Bandura area. Um, I think you know that area, John, don't you? Sorry, mate. Yeah, I actually spent a few years growing up in the uh, Greensboro area. So you know it fairly well. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty sure his primary school is in Bandura. Anyway, so he's um, he's a mate of mine. He's in his late 20s, an Aussie bloke. Um, I, I actually asked him, you know, what's your thoughts on this uh, book? You know, the you know my new daddy and uh, my new mummy. And he'd he'd heard of it. He's, he thought it was yeah quite uh, you know a, a, you know a, a disgusting book, etc. And I said to him, well, are you guys you know is it part of the curriculum? Then he goes, oh God, no. Um, and then he said that he looked into it, obviously, and he said that they were trialling it somewhere in New South Wales, which is true. I think that, that's what you were saying, John, in one of your videos. And I, so I asked him, I go, so what, what, you know, what would you say if they, what, I mean, what would you do if they started making that part of the curriculum? Are you, have you, he goes, oh, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to teach that book or read that to any of my kids, no bloody way. And I said, oh, have you got a choice in it? And he's like, well, gee, I kind of do, I kind of don't. And so what, what about, um, and then I saw him a couple other times. I said, have you asked your colleagues at your school there? Uh, apparently, a lot of, a lot of the, uh, his colleagues at the school there, they all agree with him. They said that, that book, that, you know, they wouldn't be, you know, for teaching that. And, yeah, look, I just thought I'd throw that in, guys. No, I appreciate that. What we're, uh, what we're really talking about here is how they're educating people. And anyone who's read any work by George Orwell, whether it's 1984 or Animal Farm or many other texts that talk about this, they talk about the importance of indoctrinating children. And I think one of the problems facing Australia right now is how many adults are oblivious to what's being taught at schools and especially at universities. And in the live chat, Goaway says that he's studying at the University of Melbourne right now, which is Marxism Central here in Australia. And he says that the Kinsey scale there is well known. It's important to understand that a lot of people who are teachers now, they study arts or social science, especially at Melbourne University, you'd study teaching as a post-grad degree. So a lot of people studying teaching as a master's, a master's of teaching, will have studied arts or social science, whatever they call that undergraduate degree, before studying teaching. So in other words, they're being indoctrinated at age 18, 19, 20 into things like the Kinsey scale, then they're studying teaching, then they're going out and teaching your children. And I think, Sam, many Australians are oblivious to what is being taught at schools and universities today. 100% they are. And if they're not, they're, they're, if they even just kind of have a hazy idea about it, I mean, you kind of need to know a lot about these things for, for it to have an impact on, on you and for you to take action on it. If you just kind of know, know it by its haziness, you, you just know it by its love and tolerance, quote unquote. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. And, and I wonder, tell us, Gina, your mate who's the teacher who maybe can, maybe can't get away with... Um, with sort of jettisoning this uh, this pro-LGBT or pro-gay marriage nonsense uh, in his curriculum, outside of his outside of his profession, would you describe him as a kind of person who'd normally be sort of progressive or for these kinds of things? Surprisingly, no, he's not. Thank God. Look, you know, all the, the people that I associate myself with in my life, it's uh, 
It's kind of tricky. It's probably, I wouldn't say a half and half or like that, but uh, this guy is one of the ones that uh, isn't... I, w I wouldn't know how to describe him, actually, whether he's a conservative guy, but I, I can sort of tell that his parents, you know, they're from Eltham, uh, which is like a, a middle-class, you know, white Aussie suburb in Melbourne. Um, I think, you know, they, they sound like they're conservatives by the sounds of it. They probably vote liberal, I'm guessing. Um, and yeah, he, he yeah he's not he's not too politically correct and yeah I mean just just the, the his reaction to the book as well how he he thinks it's disgusting and everything and um, I'd have to I'd have to say that he's he's not I wouldn't say he's like a lefty or anything like that oh that's right one one time we were discussing he sort of like he referred to lefties you know all those those lefties like that so yeah I don't I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that he's a lefty in that case the way he said that. See, generally speaking, education, and especially the education union here in Australia, they are very Marxist. They're very what they call left-wing. But I don't like the term left-wing because the whole left-right false dichotomy, false narrative kind of thing, false dialectic, if you like. But they're definitely very Marxist. And, of course, what happened was the lady who's responsible for safe schools, the safe schools program for international listeners, it's this Orwellian newspeak they use to describe a program where they, they teach children at schools that LGBT is normal and the lady behind it is a lady named Roz Ward who openly describes herself as a Marxist. She gave a lecture at a recent Marxist conference so it's not a secret that she's a Marxist. She's behind safe schools. She was filmed a couple of years ago openly admitting that safe schools which is promoted as an anti-bullying program isn't about stopping bullying it's about normalizing and promoting transgenderism. She was um, put on like she was suspended from her uh, post at a university, I think it was La Trobe University down there in Victoria. The teachers union at the time came out against that and they came out in defense of her because of their pro-Marxist leanings. And people have to understand the teachers who are responsible for teaching your children, many of them, not all of them, but many of them do either tacitly or explicitly support the Marxist or the progressive agenda, which includes, at this point in time, transgenderism. And with all of that said, we've got plenty of topics we want to talk about tonight. Just finishing up on this one to do with the, the transgenderism in the schools. Gino, do you have anything more you want to add? I think Gino's out at the moment. Can I, uh, can I add to the case against Ros Ward there? Oh, uh, please she, go for it. She, uh, I, think, I think this is Instagram. I don't have any of this social media stuff, but I think this is, was on Instagram. She posted a photo of the LGBT flag waving on the same flagpole or maybe a different flagpole, but it was in, it was take, the photo was taken from the perspective so that the LGBT flag was in a higher than the Australian flag. And her comment on the bottom was, all we need now is a red flag on top and the, for the Australian flag to be removed. Um, so I think she got in a bit of flack for that. But, yeah, that was an interesting one. Yeah, and so what had happened was the education union had come out, and I'm not sure if they did plan strikes to support her or how far they took their... That's right, um, yes. There's something happened. I remember seeing a video of that, and there was some very pleased, weirdo-looking communists at you know at the entrance to some you know university type thing going, oh, yeah, they, they formed a guard of honour for her. I remember this now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fuck, it's weird, man. This is a weird world we live in. Yeah, and so in doing my research for one of my recent videos, I listened to Ros Ward's lecture at the Socialist Alternative, the Marxist conference down there in Melbourne. We have them here as well. There you go. They've probably got them all over the joint. I think the, the one in Melbourne might be one of the bigger ones because Melbourne Uni is, like I said, 
um, one of the epicenters in Australia for, for what they call socialism or Marxism or what have you. And it was like a 30-minute lecture, and it was introduced by a young lady who was obviously in awe of Ros Ward. And the thing is, these young children, they really believe that you know, by supporting what they call progressive causes, by supporting Marxism, they really believe that they're helping get us to utopia. They really believe in what they're doing. They are useful idiots in the true sense of the term. They believe in what they're doing. And it's important to understand a lot of these people out, you know, the, the ideological enemies of any good moral person, these people actually believe that they're doing the right thing, Sam. Uh, yeah, and that's and that's what's spurring on on these kids for sure, man. And 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 what a position to be in, you know, to to be the uh, someone who I could imagine these Marxists are fairly un underappreciated in their life as they deserve to be. I don't think they really uh, produce anything of quality, so they've been underappreciated their whole life. But feeling like they shouldn't be underappreciated, and suddenly now they have a position of power, power over you know young modern you know what what seemed to be the you know the uh tip of the wave of of you know youth thought and this kind of thing and uh they're running amok with it they're doing what they want and and in reality it, it it's uh it's just very weird it's it's sexualizing children it's it's making areas previously unsexualized sexualized they're adding sexual tension and and creating sexual games such as you know status and all this kind of thing in realms that otherwise usually it was just introverted men and now and now it's a whole you know university and all this kind of stuff it's it's a whole uh, it's a whole another ball game well what was interesting really. was in that time magazine article they openly admitted that as they win one battle they move on to the next battlefront the next frontier so at first you decriminalize homosexuality then you start arguing for homosexual rights. Then you start getting homosexual characters into television. Then you get gay marriage in different countries and then eventually in Australia as well. Then you move on to the next battlefront, which is LGBT rights. And so if you read their words, they actually quite openly admit that they're going to go step by step by step. It's battle by battle by battle. And Gino down there in Melbourne, you're a bit older than us. You remember back when even homosexuality was uh, not as promoted as it is now. Do you want to tell us, have your own views on all of this changed all in the last few years? Yeah, well, obviously, I think I'm um, six years older than you, John, um, or seven years old, I don't know. But I can remember, like, you know, as a kid in the 80s, um, how it was a lot more frowned upon. And to be sort of, um, you know, anti-gay, I don't really anti-gay, I don't know the word I want to use there. It wasn't a, such a bad thing to, to, to be sort of like, uh, to be, you know, frowning upon gay people or the homosexuality, whereas now, uh, you know, it's, you're a bigot now. So, uh, and that's only a time span of like maybe 25 years maybe. But um, you, could even, you can even look at the... Uh, the footage back in 1996 with uh, Pauline Hanson on 60 Minutes, uh, where the 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 journalist there I can't remember the the host um, asked her about you know homosexuality and you know Pauline Hanson was like, well that's that's fine you know um you know they can you know they, that's their business whatever they want to do you know and then the woman goes oh well what's your views on you know the gay Mardi Gras the the, the festival to you know gay pride and everything and she's like there was a pause and then she goes. Well, I don't like it, <laughs> and, a, and a sort of bogan accent. 
but yeah, the point I'm trying to make is that was 1996. There's no way in hell that anyone would dare to say to to respond um, the way Pauline Hanson did in that interview. Now, there's no way. There's no. It'll be political suicide. Gino. Gino, I think that is the the most one of the most retarded things in our society. When I look at the the TV or whatever and see you know the highlights of a Mardi Gras parade, I think how how weird you know like not like it's it doesn't I don't sit on the oh my gosh they're men and other men. If it was all women just just jumping around and acting very sexual, I have no respect for that. I have absolutely no respect for that. Yeah, actually, call me old-fashioned, but I used to I used to enjoy the I used to find it amusing the jokes of the likes of uh, you know Bill Hicks and other comedians would say homosexuality is bad blah blah blah, but two girls on the other hand, <laughs> and I used to think that was kind of funny. And then you know I used to always think oh, I was kind of kinky as well because I'm a guy and I don't mind lesbians going at it. But I've changed my old age now, like uh, whatever, because there's so much uh, homosexuality in your face now. It's getting annoying, and well, you know. I think- Sorry. Hang, hang on, hang on, Sam. Sorry. Yeah. yeah so sorry. Uh, you know, whenever I see like um, uh, lesbians going at it as well now, I'm, yeah, I've changed now. I look at it and I just get annoyed with it. It doesn't turn me on or anything like that. Yeah, it's like what? Uh, cause because like, you know, it's, you don't see it in many TV shows. You probably see more two men going at it these days. But you see the odd two women going at it. I watch a lot of TV. Sorry. And when when I see the two women now, I'm I'm almost just as disgusted or just as annoyed when I see the two men going at it now. Like what the fuck? Anyway, yeah. So you guys. Well, see, Gino, I'm I'm a DJ, right? I DJ every single weekend, and I'm in the midst of this, and I I honestly see licorice all sorts every weekend, and uh, it it it's disgusting because it comes from a place, a really I think a sick place. In, I, I don't know, this may sound horrible, but in, in women, I see it. And I, I don't see it so much in men because perhaps I, I'm just not as good at detecting it. But you see this kind of intent from women. And we, like uh, actions are all about where they come from. And when you see, I see you know, two girls hook up on the D floor and they're looking around to see who else is looking at them and they think it's just the greatest thing and they're indulging in their egos at the same time. They're just getting off of that. Everyone's looking around. I don't respect women like that. I don't respect anyone like that. Someone seeking sexual attention from everyone disgusts me. Yeah, well, uh, well, would it, would it disgust you just as much if it was two heterosexual people going at it? Hmm... Probably it just it's it's the intent of where the action comes from. I don't I don't specifically like watching people make out, but when you can tell it's it's all about a, this kind of showing this show off this kind of you know look at us look what we're gonna do type thing and you see it in their in their faces, man. And I yeah, I, you know, I enjoy sexuality. I'm not someone who who doesn't like sexuality and or and or uh, two women kissing sure, but. There, there, I know what you mean. They can be, they can be a bit smug about it, can't they? Yeah, yeah. But an honest, a really honest sexual interaction, no matter the scale or the veracity, is is amazing and fine and and perf- perfectly natural. When it starts to come from ugly areas of of you know your inside and your psychology, that I, I feel like maybe I just have a good radar for that, or 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 not. I you know, I think you know what I mean. Yeah, well, in terms of people doing it in public in general, uh, well, I, I think I'd have to say I prefer heteros. I don't really want to see anyone, you know, doing stuff in public. You know, they should be doing it. Everyone should be doing it in closed, you know, behind closed doors. 
But if I have to choose, uh, obviously I prefer to see heterosexual um, people going at it in public 100%. because, because well, one thing, I am heterosexual, so it makes sense to me, and it's the norm as well, whereas uh, homosexuality behaviour in public, you know, it's a, it's a bit... Uh, it's, it, let's, 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 let's get real. It, it is abnormal. Um, they it's are abnormal. a minority. It, it, if it was the other way around, if, if it was 98% of them rather than 2% of them, uh, then maybe it wouldn't seem so abnormal and therefore, you know, unappealing. Well, maybe, know. But, 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 that, but that very situation can't happen because of its, its specific abnormality. It, that you know the very the very opposite situation couldn't happen. The fact that that's the truth means that we we need to treat it that way. We need to treat it like the minority position that it is. It's not it's not heterosexual. It's homosexual. That's um that's important. Yeah, and uh, it's also for for you know kids and stuff. I, I have I have a son, and he sees a guy hooking up with a girl, you know, on the road or whatever whatever it may be. You know that that's very little problem for me to have worried about a parent, but there's bloody billboards and signage and advertising everywhere with two dudes kissing. Uh, it's a different story. Now watch out, guys! We've got the gay bachelor coming around the corner. Watch out for that show coming up. Fuck. Is that are you, is that for real? Yeah, well, I wouldn't. I don't know. There's stupid women at my work that were banging on about it the other day. They're getting all excited, saying, "Oh, we're going to watch that. Oh, those guys are hot." Uh, but it's gay bachelor. They're gay. Oh, oh that'll be funny. It'll be funny. It's only in America. It's the American one so far. I'm like, oh fuck. Then it'll it'll be oh there'll be an Australian God. one eventually. <laughs> Whenever they put Australia our, our Australian versions of these shows, you see how you know weak and frail all all the kind of shows are, and how how weird they are. Like I I've seen a, a part of this year's Bachelor just to see what it was like, and it's it's amazing the discourse that they're allowing. On, on TV, this guy that's just kissing, you know, every single woman and they're all, they're all fine with it. They're all like, oh yeah, this is just part of, you know, searching for love. He's going to fuck fucking 24 girls and, you know, so are we. Yeah, it's like, fuck, man. Let me throw a different perspective to you guys and I apologize if there's some background noise. I'm at a public library and uh, there's some noise in the background, but how is this for a different perspective? If I walk into a club where I know that heterosexual or homosexual or anything in between, there are going to be people there explicitly for random sex, then whatever happens, that's kind of, I went to the club, that's my fault, right? Where if I turn on a television and I know who controls the television and I see degeneracy, I shouldn't have expected anything else. My issue isn't so much with how adults want to behave. Let them behave. It doesn't really affect me. My concern is what's happening to the children. And here in Australia, we've got this so-called safe schools program, an Orwellian term, for what is actually a pro-transgender program, as admitted by the woman behind it, Ros Ward, an avowed Marxist, those people who have read the Communist Manifesto, who understand what Marxism is, who is behind Marxism and what their agendas are, they know full well that you shouldn't let any Marxist near children, let alone those who admit that they want to tell your children transgendering is normal. My concern isn't how these adults want to behave. If two men or ten men want to go and do some degenerate act in their own house, I say let them. That's their business. That's not. I don't really care. I'm concerned about the children who are being taught that this shit is normal. Can you see the difference? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think that's a that's a good point to to make out. Is that you know, yeah, if if a bunch of adults want to go to a club and lick each other's bums or whatever they want to do, so be it. 
Well, no, what no, I'm like getting at this is, what I'm, what I'm saying is, I mean, the way I see it, whether, whether it's um, two men or a man and a woman, two people going to a place with lots of loud music and alcohol to meet randoms to go and have a random sex, to me that's degenerate no matter whether it's a man or a woman or two men. In, in a way, you could almost make a case that at least with two men, there's no chance for accidental children. Whereas if a man and a woman bump into each other at night, they're both half drunk, they end up going home and creating a child accidentally. That's actually what, I mean, at least with the two, the two, the two blokes, all they're going to do is give each other diseases. Whereas a man and a woman might accidentally create a life and possibly fuck up a life. If anything, the heterosexuals could be could, could have worse outcomes than the two the two gay men. What say you? Uh, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, well, I've never really thought about it that way. But um, sorry, right. you go, you go. Think about it, Chino, mate. It's degeneracy, okay? And and here's, here's yeah. I asked you guys earlier, have your views changed? When I was at uni, I was pro-gay marriage, okay? I didn't know any better. I've been very well indoctrinated, right? But it was worse than that. I lived a degenerate lifestyle. I would get drunk. I thought promiscuous sex was totally cool. It was a good thing. You know what I mean? I, I, I had no concept uh, compared to today of right and wrong when it comes to sexuality because I had been degenerate. Degeneracy had become the norm through the media that I'd consumed, the people I hung around who consumed the same media, they have got us all believing that degeneracy is normal. And I think the people out there, put aside the gays, put aside the LGBT people, just regular men and women out there today, if you're watching pornography on your screen, then you are a degenerate, just like I used to be. You can stop doing that. If you're jacking off to porn on a screen that you know is controlled by the usual suspects, you're a degenerate. Our problem isn't the LGBT or the gays in isolation. They're just a symptom of a deeper problem, which is that we live in a degenerate society. Gino, what say you? Yeah, well, um, back to the topic of uh, gay marriage and why someone might have changed their mind on it. Because uh, I was once, I was look, I was never pro gay marriage because, to be honest, I couldn't really give a shit because I'm not gay and like I only know like a couple of gay people in my life. So, and my best mate who is gay, he couldn't give a shit about it, uh, to my knowledge. Um, so I never really was pro-gay. Um, I was never really, I hadn't really made up my mind until recently and it was due to uh, something that was brought to my attention is that the children, it comes down to, the, to, to, like I don't have any kids myself but I plan to probably have one one day and I've got two nieces and, you know, it's, when you, when you um, look, in, look into it in terms of the, uh, how children will be affected by this, um, uh, this law that gets passed, because they'll, they'll get married, and then the next step is that they'll obviously somehow obtain children. I don't know how do you call that. They'll, they'll have children. I don't know. Really, they can't have children, but they can't. Um, but you know what I mean. They'll they'll somehow introduce children into the into this mix now. So because they'll they'll want to adopt because they'll they'll want to have a proper family because they're they're legally a, a married you know uh, union now. So therefore, the next thing is now children. So. Uh, for me, that that's where I think um, where I change my mind on it now. I'm, I'm not necessarily pro it anymore um, because of that fact. Because when you when you think about the poor kids, you know, um, there's not probably going to be a shitload of them or anything, but there will be a handful of them that will, that will exist. And you know, you got to you got to think about their rights, you know, because they're not going to then they're, they're going to grow up without a father or without a mother. They're going to they're going to be surrounded by friends that have both mothers and fathers. And they're going to feel it's probably going to mess them up a little bit, you know. If you want, say the kid, say the the boy's got two mums, he'd be like, "Where's my daddy? I want to know what's happening with my daddy." And and you know the the daughter that's that's got two two dads, well, "Where's my mum?" You know, and she didn't grow up without a mum. 
So you got to, you know, you got to think about the poor kids. It's it's a, it's a very complicated subject, you know. But then you say, oh, uh, but you know, but what about the gay rights? What about the rights of those gay people? You know, well, I'm, well, the solution there is just, you know, suck it up. You can't get you can't get married. That's it. That's the that's the uh, the sacrifice you have to make by being a gay person, unfortunately. Just like I can't join a women's netball team. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's well, a bit it's different. It's important yeah. not to don't to con like conflate topics here. So let's just try and focus on a few issues one by one. First of all, and I'll go around the, the round table here. First of all, on the issue of degeneracy, against which standard do you identify something else as being perverted or degenerate or use whatever term you want? How do you decide that thing is not something that I promote or condone against what standard? I'll go to you first there, Sam. Is there something that you say this is right? And this is why. Do you have a set standard against which you measure things? Wow. Um, that's a good question, man. Um, no. No, I don't. I can't, like, I can't, I, I can't say that I necessarily do. I think uh, a lot of it is, is gut feeling. A lot of it is um, intuition. A lot of it is just that. I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. I've got somewhere where I'm going with this. Like, there's a reason I ask this question. I'll go to you next, Gino. When you say that there are things that you don't like, you know, like two gay men kissing or two women kissing or whatever, do you have a basic standard against which you're measuring these things? Not really. Um, there's no nothing that I can really put into words other than what you pretty much said. Um, like, are, you, are you talking about like... Um, Sexual uh, perverdity in general, like you got um, like German porn type stuff. Is that is it? You're talking about including that as well, or are you talking about homosexuality? What what exactly are you, are you covering here? Well, here's where I'm going with this, right? For me to sit here and say, oh, this thing is perverted or degenerate or sick, or I don't condone it or I don't like it, I have to have a reason why. I have to have a foundational reason to explain to myself and to others why I think it is wrong. And here's what I think. I'm going to throw this idea to you two. And this is the first time you've heard me say this live on the air, so take a moment to think about it if you need to. But perhaps the idea that we can separate sex and, and procreation, the idea that they're separate things, perhaps once you make that separation, then all the other degeneracy follows from it. And perhaps because we've been raised in a society where pornography is completely normal. When I was in school, we were taught that masturbation was, was a good thing, was a healthy thing. It was to be encouraged. Perhaps once you accept that's okay, that you can separate uh, you know, procreation and sexuality from what sexuality is supposed to be for procreation, then you're opening the door to all other kinds of degeneracy and it's just a matter of time before you reach LGBT, pedophilia, bestiality, the rest of it. And so for any of us to sit here and say, well, I support a, a man and a woman uh, having butt sex, but I don't support two men doing it. Well, there's an inherent hypocrisy there because what's the difference at the end of the day? It, sexuality can lead to the creation of life. There's nothing more amazing than that. And when you say, yeah, it can do that, but I'm going to use it for other things, then who the hell are you to say that, that five men in a room next door to you can't do the same thing? Uh, well, I never said that they can't do that stuff. I just don't want to see it. and I don't, I don't want... Uh, TV uh, movie makers to throw it into the, that, that that's a, that's the problem I have or putting it out there in the public so that way you know a father and a son uh, get subjected to it and then they have to you know the father has to explain something to their son about about it you know what I mean like they can do it behind closed doors I don't really give a shit really um, what's wrong with it I mean if there's nothing wrong with it why not have it on TV why not have it on Play School I mean why is it a problem 
Well, because it's because it's, it's vulgar, and I don't want to see it. They can. I'm not. I'm not going to like. If I was in charge of the place, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. You know, uh, it's forbidden. You know, throughout society, it's illegal. And if anyone's caught doing it, then they'll go to jail. Uh, you know what I mean? I, they can do that. I don't. I just don't want to see it. Um, I don't know. So what? So I don't know. What are you getting at? So what? What do you think we should? Would you? Would you like uh, encourage some sort of a law in place or something? Is that what you're saying? I don't know what you're getting at, John. No, I'm not suggesting there should be a law. I mean, if if one of us, if anyone is going to say that this act or this way of being is something that I think is wrong, and I don't think it should be taught to children, for instance, then we should have a reason why. And if we can't actually give a reason why that's consistent with all of our other views then there's a good chance that we're being hypocritical, we're not being reasonable. And I think for any person to say, well, you know, I don't, I don't want the children to be taught that uh, transgenderism is normal, but I don't mind children being taught that masturbation is normal, then the simple question is, okay, well, how come, how come masturbation is okay? Because like, that is being taught to children that that's normal, right? That's being right, taught but why, to why is it bad then? What, what do you have that, that tells you that it's bad? What's your basis to know that it's bad? Well, what, why? Well, why is transgenderism bad? No, no, I'm asking you to, um, as in what you asked me and Gino before, saying what what do we have to back up our, you know, thoughts on degeneracy being bad and all this kind of stuff. What what do you have at the base of everything for you to say masturbation is is bad? Well, okay, let's take the, let's take let's take masturbation for instance, right? We we were brought up, or I was, and I'm only 29 at school to be told that this is normal. And every guy my age would have been doing it very regularly, just like I was, right? And we don't know any different. Just from anecdotal experience from myself and other people I know now, once they give that degeneracy away, pornography especially, but also just regular masturbation, they find huge benefits in their life in a whole range of areas, from their productivity on whatever they're working on to their confidence in public. Now, you might say, what? Guys are more confident when they, when they stop jacking off. Yeah, it sounds crazy, but that's anecdotal experience that I've heard from people in my life. Now, I wish I could give you studies to prove this, but who's going to do studies on this? If it is the case that sexuality is a very special thing, regardless of whether you believe in evolution or creationism or any other thing, this is a method by which we create new life, okay? That's clearly an amazing thing. Maybe these energies that we have that from men are meant for women, the idea that we're getting rid of those every night in a shower or into a tissue or into a sock, maybe, possibly, we're actually getting rid of a very important and powerful energy. And how many people, Sam, have ever even considered this possibility? Not many of our age. Oh, look, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you uh, almost for a second. I was just, you know, I was just seeing where exactly, you know, if I was to ask you the same question, I just wanted to know what your response would be. And, um, yeah, I, I get that. It needs to be a results-based thing you need to have uh you know if you say transgenderism is is horrible for children and children later on in life then yeah there needs to be some some basis for that and that must be results we must look at what is happening to the transgenders 20 20 years on i guess that's all we have to go off of and, and what i'm coming i'm coming around to this position now to this view now that clearly, and again, it doesn't matter whether you believe in evolution or creationism or any other, whatever we are as human beings, sexuality, sex between a man and a woman can lead to new human life. That's amazing. Any sane person can agree with that. From a man, there's something that he can give to a woman that can help her to create life, okay? I'm coming to the view now 
that that is a very powerful, magical thing. Describe it however you want. And I'm also coming to the view that anything that gets rid of that energy for any reason other than trying to create human life might be detrimental to our health, whether it's physical, mental, psychological, spiritual. Maybe. I'm not saying this is definitely the case, but I think it's something that people should consider. And then when I think about things like LGBTism, transgenderism, homosexuality, my concern with homosexuality is the statistics say that gay people die 10 years earlier than their non-gay peers. There are empirical studies that can show you this. And when I found that out, that was what made me have a problem with homosexuality being normalized, okay? I don't have an ickiness factor about it. I don't believe in sin or that there's a God judging us. For me, it's simply a matter of if this lifestyle leads to people dying 10 years younger, children should not be taught that it's normal. Transgenderism, the statistics are even more damning. So it's a matter of health. And I think it might well be the case that we're more healthy if we're not having homosexual or LGBTism sex. It might even be the case that we're more healthy if we're not jacking off regularly. And then you think about who promotes this kind of thing, you know, regular masturbation, what have you. It's the same people who promote all other things that are not good for us, whether it's the stuff in the water, the stuff in the food, the stuff in the vaccines. The same usual suspects are behind pornography, and that alone, Sam, should raise a red flag. What say you? I, what I say is, yeah, correct, man. Totally 100% correct. I, I think that's right. I think sexuality is, it must be, you know, one of the very keys to to this whole existence. I mean, there's no way it, it can't be. Um, and fucking with it is only going to lead to destruction, I would think. Well, let's go to uh, Gino Eccentric Views over there. He might have a, a, an opposing view, and I'm happy to hear it. Gino, can you find any logical flaws with anything I've said so far? Uh, well, we've actually had this discussion on a private uh, Skype chat before, John, if you remember. And uh, well, you've already you said it. Some of good people. <laughs> you put it no, because well, we we had this discussion and I asked you this very same question that Sam did a moment ago, and you answered it back then, pretty much in the same same way that you answered it uh, just now. So, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one. Like when I mean, you watch that episode of Seinfeld, uh, obviously <laughs> created by the usual suspects, as you put it. And that was really normalizing it back in. I remember it being a very private and embarrassing thing when I was a child, like in the 80s. I, I knew it existed in the 80s, but no one would ever admit to doing it, you know. Whereas now it's like, yeah, it's, it's normalized. You can talk about it, joke about it, but it was incredibly embarrassing um, in these late 80s, early 90s. And it wasn't until, you know, all the brainwashing of the, uh, you know, ma mainstream media, movies, TV shows, that, that usually helped. Uh, and, you know, that, especially that episode of Seinfeld, you know, where they, they had the contest to see who could go without the longest. Um, but, yeah, it's... Yeah, isn't that funny, Gino? Isn't that funny, Gino, that Seinfeld was the show that helped in prime time get the topic of masturbation out there as a normalised thing? Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld of all shows. Isn't that funny? Yeah, Larry David, who's obviously Jewish. Uh, the, all the writers and creators, most of them are Jewish. Not all of them, but most of them are. Um, and that was that episode aired in 1992, I think it was. Um, and it was revolutionary um, type comedy. That uh, it was nothing like it beforehand. I mean, you had like Family Ties and and um, uh, Growing Pains and Cheers, Who's the Boss, and uh, Full House. All those TV shows wouldn't have had anything like that on there. Um, and and a lot of those shows had a bit of drama in it too. They had like uh, emotion and stuff, whereas Seinfeld had zero drama, zero emotion. Um, 
But yeah, anyway, so getting off topic. Um, so that's, that's, well, it's not topic. This is very much on topic, Gino, right? Like you said, okay. this was revolutionary, right? 25 years ago, it was a Jewish show that got the idea of masturbation normalized by using comedy, all right? Not a coincidence when you think about uh, movies like There's Something About Mary. What do you remember about the film There's Something About Mary? Uh, well, Very highly sexual. But, no, ben, ben Stiller shoots a load in Cameron Diaz's um, face. You've also got American yeah, Pie. Yeah, and what do you know uh, about Ben Stiller? What do you know about Ben Stiller? Well, we, well he's Jewish, obviously. Um, but, yeah, but you've got, you, you've got, um, you've got uh, also American Pie, where he's like making love to American Pie. Uh, but, I mean... I think the dad character, he's, he's Jewish in real life, but I don't think that actor, I can't remember his name, I don't think he was Jewish in real life, but, but the writers and probably producers are. I, I, I can't remember, I haven't looked into that one. But, um, but yeah, the, the contest episode of Seinfeld anyway, like it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting because they're, they're trying to go, they're trying to see, they're pretty much letting, you know, letting it sort of, uh, well, normalising the fact that everyone masturbates every day and they have to do it, otherwise they can't hold out. Um, so I don't know. There's a lot of men out there that probably do it every day, or listen, you know, with their with their girlfriend, I suppose. But but try try not doing it for like a couple of weeks. It's it's a bit difficult, you know. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, but I suppose if it wasn't, um, I know, it's an interesting topic. Like if you, if you didn't grow up in the society and maybe um, you never did it from day one, somehow um, maybe it'd be easier to to do. Anyway, look, it's it's yeah, you got you got me thinking on that one, John. I, I don't know, like. I, I don't know whether it does anything bad. Um, I definitely, I think it does something good, uh, at least. I don't know if it does anything bad, though. I, yeah, you got me thinking on it anyway. Well, what I'd recommend that you do, Gino, when anyone listening to this who's hearing these kinds of ideas for the first time, there's a Reddit, a subreddit, that I recommend you check out. Just read a few of the threads, see what people are saying, read enough of the threads so that you've got a nice basis of these anecdotal, and that's all they are, is anecdotal reports. It's hard to verify them, but just read them. The Reddit is nofap, N-O-F-A-P, right? Reddit, forward slash R, forward slash nofap. Look at how many threads you'll find, predominantly by men, almost exclusively by men, saying that by giving away something that they thought was normal and that they were actually addicted to and they didn't realise they were addicted until they tried to stop, how much their lives have improved. And that's certainly been my anecdotal experience as well. And this is something that I first heard of uh, more than a year ago and at the time, I found it hard to believe, but here I'm sitting here now, uh, years after I first was exposed to this idea, and yeah, the idea of sitting there in front of a TV or a computer looking at pixels of a woman paid to have sex with a man, probably with a, a usual suspect producer, to me that idea now is far more vulgar than two guys kissing at a club. I walk into a club and I see two guys kissing, well, that's my fault for walking into a club, right? I sit there and do that to myself watching that shit on, on my computer, and shame on me. Yeah, but when you put it that way, John, you you do almost immunize yourself from it, and that's a that's a great way to put it. It is. It's a it's a bloody girl being paid a guy and a girl being paid to have sex with each other with a bunch of people standing around filming it. That's that's not that's not sexual to me. That doesn't that doesn't uh, really get me going. No, and look, I'll tell you this: I quit alcohol for twelve months back in two thousand thirteen, right? And the first couple of weeks were tough to get off the alcohol, right? The first couple of weekends. Weekdays, no problem. But weekends, not drinking, man, it was tough. But after the first few weeks, I was sweet, ended up going 12 months without alcohol, no problem. And I think even back then, the fact that the first couple of weekends were tough shows that 
alcohol was too big a part of my life. If you can't go without jacking off for a couple of weeks, then you know you've got a problem. You know you're addicted. And that alone should be raising red flags. And I know that this topic is pretty full on. Who talks about this? You know, these Google Hangouts, this is where people talk about Boston bombings being fake or about uh, Sandy Hook being fake or 9-11 not being Osama bin Laden, right? Who talks about right. this kind of topic that affects us day to day? But I would argue that this topic is far more important because it affects us day to day. See what I'm saying? That's that's right, John. And it's not it's not safe. Those things are safe. This is what I've realized a lot in uh, in my research over the last maybe year is, is that yeah, these these things like the Boston bombing and the, the it's all uh, the 9/11. It's all well and good, but there are actual real world things happening outside your doorstep, inside your mind. Uh, just next to your body, just in your body, whatever it is. And uh, it's too easy to ignore because we can sit here and pretend like we're experts on uh, did a sand bomb go off on the firing li- on the finish line or did this happen, did that happen? Who gives a fuck, man? If, you're, if you yourself are messed up, identify that. Why not fix that and that be your primary focus? I understand it's very uncomfortable and I get uncomfortable talking about these things because, look, it affects me, man. I, You know, I... I want to give myself the best shot I have. But, uh, you know, and you find out all these things about your hobbies and interests that you've been doing forever and and suddenly you go, oh, God, yes, that is very detrimental to me and it's hard to turn that around and it's hard to accept. It it can be and I think like in in the two years that I've been active in this scene, a whole bunch of things in my lifestyle have changed, right? One example is the food that I eat. I used to eat a lot of meat. I no longer eat cows or pigs or chickens. I don't think it's good for me. I'm not one of those people who says, you shouldn't eat meat because it's bad, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm saying I don't think it's healthy. And if you can prove to me it's healthy to do it, I'll reconsider doing it again. But I don't think it's healthy. And I think there's lots of people in this scene who've been here for a year, two years. Some people have been doing this kind of thing for 10 years and nothing in their life has actually improved. They're no healthier physically, mentally, psychologically, spiritually. They're no better off than they were 10 years ago. They might as well have been watching Fox News or CNN. And part of being a person who improves is accepting there are parts of your life to improve. Possibly even things that you never even thought to question, such as your habits, every morning or every night, as the case may be. So if this is the first time that someone is hearing this stuff, I fully understand you might have those natural Pavlovian emotional reactions and want to attack me for bringing this up. That's fine. If you're smart, you should realize, hold on, why, why am I getting emotional about this? This is just someone questioning if what I'm doing is healthy. Do I have any evidence that it's healthy? I thought it was normal, but he's right. It's the usual suspects who told me it's normal. Maybe I need to reconsider. And if you're here for the right reasons, if you're here because, like me, you want to improve yourself, then the very least you can do is question these things. Now, I want to move on to another topic, but before I do, both you and Gina deserve, a, I guess, a final thoughts on this particular topic. I'll go to you first there, Sam. Any final thoughts on this one before we move on to the next topic? Uh, my man, I don't know. I would, just, I would just say, and this might open up another can of worms, so I'm happy to move straight along, but I would just say the, the uh, knowing of the usual suspects is incredibly important in this regard, and uh, it's something that they have been doing for centuries, for generation and generation. They've been doing the same trick, and I know, you know history is obviously something that's contentious to you, but um, it's, it's recorded, whether, whether it's real recordings or not, that the same thing has been done to every city these people have moved to. It certainly seems that way. Gino, down there in Melbourne, any final thoughts on a topic that I know is very close to your heart? Oh, shut up now. Come on now. Oh, 
You're making me. I'm, I'm all. I'm all. I'm blushing now. I'm all embarrassed. You're, um, the, one, you're the one who. You're the one who watches and looks forward to watching a mainstream television show where the two main characters are an incestuous brother and sister. So uh, if this makes oh. you blush, what does that tell you? That's pretty kinky stuff, though, isn't it? Um, anyway, uh, look, I. Uh, Yes, I just find it strange. It's not not every bloke. I mean, girls can go without uh, doing that uh, a lot easier, from what I've been told. Uh, guys kind of have to do it a bit. We obviously need to do it a bit more than them. Oh, we have to, do we? Uh, well, I think the drive. Yeah, well, the drive is the, for us is higher than them. I would say, um, and not every guy can get sex. You know what I mean? So, like, there's some guys that'll just that just can't get sex at all their entire life because they're not attractive enough, or they just can't. So, so are you, are you are you proposing that like a, you know the 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 forty year old virgin guy that's like you know one hundred and fifty kilos, a complete abomination of a person, can't get a root, so he's he's not he's not allowed to ejaculate all the time. Uh, he's not. Hang on, he's not allowed to ejaculate at all. Or are you saying that perhaps maybe he's allowed to to have a jack off maybe once a year? Uh, well, what what are you what are you proposing here? Like, are you it's saying not that about, I'm not saying anything about people are allowed to do this or there should be laws about that. I'm talking about what is healthy, right? Now I can. No, sorry, to you. sorry, John. I missed, Yeah, I get. Sorry, sorry, to interrupt you. Okay, I get. I'll re I'll reword it then. Sorry. So what what would you know? What would be more of a healthy alternative to uh, this this particular character that I'm I'm sort of picturing here? You know, the forty year old version that's like you know can't get a girl. He's never had sex in his life. He tends to masturbate every day, four times a day, whatever, watching porn. So are you suggesting that perhaps he quits altogether or is once a year fine? You know what I mean? Well, that's a, that's what, a good what, question. What would, be a, if, what, what would be a healthy alternative? If I, if I was speaking to somebody who were currently doing that every day using a computer screen as an aid, it's like anything. You can't just – most people aren't just going to quit fast food suddenly or become long-distance runners suddenly. It's better off to start with small goals, small targets, and build their way up. Because otherwise, one failure will just lead to a complete relapse, and they'll make no progress, right? So if they're currently doing it every day using a computer, I would suggest, how about not using a computer? You can still do it, but you just have to use your imagination, right? Just as a start. If you can't do that, then that shows how serious the problem is. If you can do that, what, the, what you're probably going to find is, once you've gotten the computer out of there, and you've what, it's like TV, man. If, if people watch TV every day, they go away for a holiday and come back a month later, the TV is like, oh my God, I can't believe it's this mind-numbing. You'll find it's the same with pornography. If you're used to it, it just seems normal. Spend a few weeks away and come back and you'll be disgusted by it, right? It's, it only seems okay because it's been normalized. So I'd suggest just get the porn out first. Once you've done that, you'll find it's easier to get rid of the jacking off and then you can make progress from there. The idea of going cold turkey with most things I don't think is effective. So to answer your question, Gino, the 40-year-old virgin, He's obviously got much bigger problems than than simply what he's doing, you know, in front of his computer every night. But as a first step, I'd say just get rid of the the degenerate usual suspect pornography. How's that sound? Alrighty then. I also think it's sorry. sorry. Oh well, I I don't think it's about necessarily exactly having the right lifestyle answer. Like I think if we if we can identify that uh, it's perhaps you know no no good for us and whatever. I mean, that's where we start. Like, it's not, okay, well, then suddenly am I a, you know, overweight, obese, uh, you know, fat person or whatever. It's just we've identified that this isn't good good for us. And then the next step is, yeah, shit, what do we do? Yeah, and I think going and checking out that subreddit, I don't know what people's general opinions are on Reddit, but I've found that it just depends on the, on the thread, on the subreddit you're in. 
and then it's a matter of taking the good and sorting from the bad. That particular subreddit, NoFap, as amusing as that title might be, I think if people go and read some of those anecdotal accounts, they'll think there's no way that this can be serious because some of those anecdotal accounts, these are, these are men, some of them are 35-year-old men saying, I didn't realize I was addicted until I tried to stop. Then I realized I was addicted, I stopped, and my life has changed. And you might think, what? How could your life change just by doing that? But yet we all accept that people who start exercising, that can change their life, right? We all accept that. Quitting alcohol, we all accept that that can change your life. This thing, this energy that we as men have within us that can lead to human life, creating human life, stopping, uh, getting rid of that from our body every night, the idea that that could change your life, that sounds crazy at first. Well, now to me, it sounds crazy that people would just release that energy every day. But, it, but of course, it wasn't that way for me a couple of years ago. So I think it's all about people taking a look at the other side, taking a look at the Reddit NoFap, reading what people have to say, and going from there. And look, if even one man out there listens to this podcast, he was expecting us to talk about just the transgender agenda or all the fake news or whatever, and he heard this instead, if even one man says, you know what, I will reconsider what I'm doing, and he gets the benefits that will follow from it, then it's been totally worth me talking about this. That's the way I see it. So, And I just think- just what you went through mentally just shows you how how plastic and how kind of changeable the mind is like you know what what once you know was like oh goodness you know you you, you experienced the exact opposite uh, repulsion oh look if, if look i how do i put this i can't sit here and judge anybody for doing things that i used to do so i'm here to, to judge in anybody and it's not about judgment i'm not saying that there's a god overlooking you saying that that's wrong i'm saying that these things are not healthy and that's exactly why they're promoted to us by the usual suspects. So I've benefited from getting rid of all the cow meat that I used to eat. So I say to people, look, I feel healthier. I'm not saying that it's evil of you to eat cows. I'm saying, have you considered not eating the cows? Because to me, I thought you had to eat cow to have big, strong muscles, right? I like to work out. I like to go and do pull-ups at the park. I thought I needed cow meat. Turns out I don't. Turns out I'm better off without it. For me, why are we here? We're here because we think we want to improve. But what better way to improve and show you've improved than to improve your health? So for me, I'm saying I used to do something that wasn't healthy for me. I don't think it's healthy for me. Now I've stopped. Now I'm healthier. If you, if someone hears what I have to say and they still want to do that, then go for it. I'm not saying you're a bad or an evil person. I'm saying you're doing yourself a disservice. And that's why I wanted to, to discuss this. It actually wasn't my plan to discuss this for this long tonight, but I'm glad that we did because I think it's a really important topic. And I wish that I had have heard people talking about this like this two years ago rather than wasting hours watching people talk about the Boston bombings. Yeah, the Boston bombings were fake. They were obviously fake. How does that change my life? How can I improve my life with that information? I can't. Whereas someone's saying, hey, dude, you know that thing that you've been doing since you were a teenager because the usual suspects on TV told you it was normal? Reconsider whether that's good for you. That could have changed my life significantly a couple of years ago. And like I said, if one person does that as a result of listening to this, then it's been well worth my time talking about it. But we've got a couple more things we wanted to talk about tonight, guys, and we better get into it straight away because time is quickly getting away from us. And we wanted to talk about the alt-right in general. Now, Sam, I know that you're, uh, you've been following the alt-right for a long time, so why don't you give us your opinion generally on the alt-right? Then we'll go... Well, um, yo, uh, sorry, that I just had a, a, quite a loud audio noise come in to uh to the headphones that's fine yes i can go on from that um 
look, oh man, I don't know. It's coming coming from this this realm of you know flat Earth and coming from you know all sorts of things. Uh, 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 the alt right is kind of a it's a broad spectrum of of a whole bunch of different topics, and uh, you know, let's say there's there's twenty five topics of of which you might already, you know, agree with three to seven. This is kind of my position. I, I already was knew about the Jewish question. I already knew about Islam, you know, uh, race realism, all this kind of stuff. And and it all just amalgamates that. I mean, Trump Trump is a part of the alt right, uh, but it's not the be all and end all. And I would I would also say for for shows like the Daily Shower. And the more white nationalist side, David Duke and all this kind of, although I know Duke is running for Congress right now, but um, a lot of those ones, they, they kind of were hesitant to take on the label alt-right. They, they were like, okay, I guess this is what we're running with. But in reality, they're white nationalists. They're European nationalists. I apologize for the sound there. I'm at a library and they're doing the cleaning right now. So you two are going to have to uh, run the show for the next couple of minutes while Old oh, Matt uh, cleans up the library here in Nunda, right, Queensland. Cool. Hey, hey, Gino, what do you what do you think about Trump then? What's what's your view on him? Uh, well, I don't really have that much of a view because I, I don't really follow American politics a great deal. Uh, but from what I have noticed, uh, you know, I'd have to say that he just seems like a just a character, like a, like an actor. Uh, that's put into place to please the um, the the percentage of population in America that are you know the you know the conservative type you know the people that uh, uh, lo love gun rights and don't want Mex Mexicans coming in etc. Don't like yes. multiculturalism and, and that, that's all it is really. And then you got the the um, the other side which is Hillary and uh, to please the you know the lefty people in America and and look I don't. He says the most ridiculous things sometimes, and it's just it's the it's it's to me it comes across as obvious, you know how how ridiculous the things that he says uh, that he's obviously just but he's perhaps put in place just to uh, yeah just to please those people. But at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure Hillary will probably get in. I, I don't know. I've got a, I've got a feeling that Hillary will just get in. He's and he's just there the whole time just to as a joke, you know. But but you never know. There's, there could be a twist to the story. You know, he could end up getting in. No, no one will ever know. It's not. It's not. You know, it's not always that uh, predictable, is it? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. And I, I, I must admit, I sway uh, either side uh, a lot of the time. I think some, some days I think, wow, this guy is, is really about to stick it to everyone. And then some days I think exactly like you think, Gino. I think this guy is, is just another puppet and he's what we've seen time and time again. But what he's created... Or, or what? What? Um, I shouldn't say he's created it. That's not. That's not very kind to the guys on the alt right. What they have created, and what he, <laughs> what he kind of uh, popularized, uh, is is really important. And it is on the kind of scale of what we do. There, there are some conspiracies they're not willing to entertain. But the Jewish question is a big one. Race realism is a big one. And uh, uh, I, th I think it's a really important movement. Whether I, I think I think Trump is is in the shadows of the movement as well. Whether he wins or not is is unimportant to the alt right. It is it's a bunch of men our age of European European descent, whether they be in America, England, all around the world, and they've realised you know there is there is a Jewish kind of influence over 
um, over our media, over our social structures with Marxism and all this kind of stuff. And it's a, and it's a pushback to that. And it's the biggest pushback we have. If, if there are some Jews involved, which I don't think there are, and if there are some people with bad interests, which I also don't think there are, I mean, anyone can t- attach themselves to the label of alt-right, but I think, I think the ones in the middle, the Daily Shower, the Dingoes, all those kind of guys, I think they're, I think they're pretty well-meaning. And I think they have, they do have a good message. Um, yeah, I don't know what what more I could say without being prompted, uh, without sounding like an advertisement. Um, All right, well, I'm back now. I think we're sweet for the audio for just a moment. I apologise to the listeners for that little uh, interruption before. For those joining us late, I am at a library here in uh, beautiful Nunda in the north of Brisbane, and it's about 10 p.m. Apparently, they do their cleaning, which is fair enough. They've got to do it at some point, don't they? So, uh, yeah, getting back to this alt-right, I guess there's probably some people listening who don't even really know so much what we're talking about. Obviously, Hillary gave the term some um, some media coverage a few weeks ago with one of her speeches. But what we're generally talking about is this group of people who seem to congregate on a few certain uh, internet forums or image boards or um, you know have their own podcasts, if you like, and the one thing that seems to bind them together is that they don't like the regular conservatives, even though they themselves consider themselves conservatives. Some of them seem hip to the holohoax, some of them seem wise to the Jew lies. But even then, they don't really seem to be that much on the same page because some of them promote people who are, in fact, Jewish, Sam. Is this a fair summation of the old right? I mean that that's fair. It's one of those. It's one of those things that there. Yeah, there's there is uh, a few Jews that call themselves alt right, but I can only think of one Jewish guy in in the kind of the center of the alt right who is who is accepted. The rest of them are are thrown thrown to the wayside. Milo Yiannopoulos, Ben Shapiro. No, no one truly. I mean, I mean, maybe if, if it's hard, it's really hard because. Uh, my side of what what I look into is is more this white nationalist side. It's every every guy's red pilled on the JQ. Every guy uh, is a race realist. Every guy's questioning at every at every corner. I don't we don't have any of these these people around, but they are on the fringes. There there are guys like Milo Yiannopoulos and Ben Shapiro who are who are trying to say that they're alt right, or maybe Ben Shapiro doesn't. Milo certainly does, and he likes to be called the leader of the alt right and this kind of thing. And he's a gay Jew. Uh, and he he'll be the first person in the oven, according to these guys. Like it, it, it's not uh, they're not interested in de- degeneracy. It's a total anti-degeneracy. There's a lot of no fap. There's a lot of all that kind of stuff. It's it's uh, and I would say it's not conservative. Conservative. Their ultimate. I mean, the the utopian side of it is fascism. They want fascism. Yeah, this seems to me to be one of the problems with a lot of people who identify as race realists or white nationalists or what have you, is they seem to be pro-fascism. And just like the way the 2008 libertarianism was able to be used as a way to convince young people that you know things like um, border controls should be eliminated, which libertarianism does seem to believe, or things like um, you know tariffs and other things that can benefit domestic production, those things should be gotten rid of. It's very easy to see how 2016 and beyond, this idea of the rise of the alt-right or right-wing politics in general, Sam, could be used to convince people that an increase in the in the state, in government power, is a good thing. I'll give you an example. This idea of building a wall. Building a wall seems to be a key catchphrase of a lot of these people. Well, building a wall 
if you build a big wall and still let people in through the door in the wall, what difference does it make other than you've just built a big wall around a country that's becoming a prison, Sam? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know a lot about uh, about that actual socio-political, you know, on the ground. What the what it actually looks like. I I've heard that it actually looks like dozens and hundreds of Mexicans literally jumping the fence or whatever is there and entering into the United States and not paying taxes and not contributing and causing crimes and all this kind of stuff. And I can see why that would be a problem. I, and I totally understand what you're saying. I wouldn't want to be fenced into America if I was there either. I think, I think the having the hole in the wall and letting some people in is a bit of a uh, uh, concession. I think it's. I think that's that's just the lighter side of it. I think a lot of them would would honestly like to see uh, all all people of European descent out of what they call America, or they would like to see America split up um, and it have a side that uh, supports white interest, and the rest can go f off somewhere else. Well, this um, this alt right and the right stuff and their. Podcasts generally seem to think that Trump is a good guy. In fact, I listened. It wasn't a Daily Show. It was one of the other shows. They spent like half an hour talking about opinion polls. Right? These are people who present themselves as alternative to the mainstream, spending literally half an hour talking about opinion polls in a in a pro-Trump manner. And this Donald Trump guy. Correct me if I'm wrong, but one, maybe two of his children, they actually have part Jewish partners. Right? Now these yes. guys, they call themselves the Daily Shower or this kind of thing. They claim to be Jew-wise, and yet they're supporting for president a guy whose children are Jewish and a man, Donald Trump, who continually says positive things about how important Israel is as an ally. Are these guys taking the piss? Look, man, I don't know. I would say that you probably listen to Fash the Nation, and they are trying to be... these. Those are two guys that do it. They are uh, ex... Well, they say they are ex-Washington guys, and they, uh, they do know what they're apparently talking about to some degree. And I think they're trying to emulate that kind of a show where they are... They're trying to uh, supplement uh, into you know our type of people, these, these people who have never been interested in politics before ever in their life... They're trying to strike the balance between, you know, this seeming very professional, but also, yeah, we're we're talking about Trump here. Um, I would say, yeah, yeah, Trump's uh, Trump's daughter converted to Judaism and married a Jew, um, and I I don't know what the answer is. I don't think anyone is fully fully knows, but I I I think they trust him. I think they do they do definitely trust him, and they they support him and. I think if, if anything else, just because that is that is the best thing they have. That's the best thing they've had for forever. They were looking at someone like Jeb Bush being the Republican presidential nominee. And these these things, I'm starting to think these things matter to some degree. I mean, if, if Trump gets in and does what he says he does, and he might not, it might all just be, ha-ha, you know, gotcha. But if he does do what he says he does, it's going to be better for white Americans. And there's a war on whites going on at the moment. So anything that's going to be better for white people, you know, I'm going to support. And I think these guys are of the same opinion. And, and do you think there's any chance whatsoever that Trump actually cares about the common man? Yeah, I, I honestly do. I do think that. And that is only based off of videos I've seen of him watching his speeches and this thing. So I can't be sure, but I, I honestly think he does. 
So let me say this with the greatest of respect, because I've spoken to you off the air, and you're uh, you're miles and miles ahead of most people, uh, especially me when I was 22 and I was still a brainwashed moron, right? But I think I've had the experience of going through the Ron Paul thing and seeing how many people really believed in Ron Paul, right? Ron Paul as, a, as an independent, then he ran as a Republican. I bought into Ron Paul. There was a period there where I identified, if not uh, to others in my own mind, as libertarian, right? Because of Ron Paul, this Ron Paul thing. And I saw what happened, how many people believed in him. And now I see Ron Paul for who he really is. And I see the same thing happening with Trump. But to me, it's even worse because, at least with Ron Paul, he was kind of like a third option. He was like a, a difference to the Republicans and the Democrats. Whereas eight years later, we've gotten that much dumber. They've actually managed to convince a whole bunch of young, disenfranchised people to still support one of the two people in the false dichotomy. So, like, it, it's actually, I think it's actually gotten worse. At well, least, I, at I, least. I think that's astute. I think that point's very astute, John. And uh, I can certainly appreciate it. But what, what this kind of wave of Trump has done has created a huge group on the internet of, of very intellectual people. Whether they've been duped or not is, uh, it doesn't, doesn't show to their intellectual character. Uh, some of the podcasts I listen to, uh, it feels like I'm talking you know, to, to, a, to another person who gets it, this type of thing, and maybe this is all part of it. But, but a, a very, it's a very intellectual movement to my, to my idea. Let me tell you when I first started getting the heebie-jeebies about this The Right Stuff mob. And again, <laughs> I think a lot of them are doing good work, right? Especially the Aussie ones, the Dingo and the Darwin Digest. They don't really seem pro-Trump. They just seem more interested in race realism, scientific evidence. I like those guys, right? But here's what got me with these The Daily Show mob. And I wanted to believe in these guys, right? I really did. And I love podcasts. I love walking, listening to podcasts. I listen to a bunch of these guys in a row. And then one of them on the topic, it might have been either 9-11 or Sandy Hook, but one of these obvious hoaxes, one of these obvious, call it whatever you want, false flag hoax, I don't really care, they, they use the term tinfoil hat. And I was like, tinfoil wow. hat? These are, these are people that... who, who, are, who are aware or claim to be aware of the holohoaks, right? Where millions of people around the world have been convinced that something happened when it simply did not happen, and they were convinced, we were convinced, by the usual suspect media. And yet these same people are going to say, that it's tinfoil to question 9/11 or Sandy Hook. This is this is madness. Look, you're right. I, I I agree with that side of them, and that's the one that's the one thing where I've I've come from. Uh, you know, looking at flat Earth and looking to all conspiracies and all philosophy and this kind of thing, and and then coming in and and listening to these things. I I am uh, I am interested in in where why there is that cognitive dissonance there, where they're happy to really lay into some of the most taboo of conspiracies there are out there. But for the more kind of seemingly obvious ones like 9-11, I think it was probably 9-11 that you would talk, that they were talking about. So I've never heard, I, I hear them bring that up as, you know, uh, kind of counter to Islamic terrorism. And I, I quite, uh, you know, uh, the Islamic thing is, is an issue and does need to be talked about. But at the same time, like I, I, there's no way planes even hit that tower. Yeah, and it goes beyond that. Like, say with this um, daily daily show mob, right? Things like the Pulse shootings, right? That fake shootings at Pulse. Nobody died. Nobody got hurt. It was a straight up and down black and white psyop, obvious to anyone who knows that psyops can happen. 
they were using this to their own advantage. Like, oh, you know, a Muslim shooting gays, and like they they almost seemed to take like they firstly they accepted the story as real, but secondly they seemed to take pleasure in the story. And it's like, hold on a second, guys. You know that you've been lied to about six million, but you don't think you can be lied to about like thirty or forty gays in a club. Like this is this is beyond cognitive dissonance. This is outright insanity, Dan. Yeah, but what I mean, what what basis would they have to, to not believe that? Like, I don't I haven't actually looked into the pulse the pulse shooting and I don't know whether that's real or not. My my instant reaction to any of this stuff is to firstly believe it's not real and then try and prove it. But um, I did. I didn't. Uh, I haven't looked into that. You, you're saying it's totally, totally false. And, and regardless, regardless, obviously false. Right. And the first red flag is that it's being promoted by the mainstream media, who are who is controlled, who is overtly and openly controlled. Just ask old Benny Stein from the LA Times by the usual suspects. That's your first red flag right there. For sure. But what happens? You know, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. But what happens if a Muslim goes into a gay club and shoots 50 people? Like, well, like, okay, good question. If that happens, then we'll have evidence that it happened. We yes, we sure would. Yeah, we would. I mean, there'd be dead people for a start. There'd be actual evidence of dead people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas all of these events that and we showed on TV, nothing, not even close. Your classic crisis uh, actors, your classic media narratives where they'll show you images, tell you what you're seeing when you're not really seeing it. No evidence whatsoever of what we're being told happened. Right. A straight up and down phony fake show. And the point I'm trying to make is, how can someone know they can be lied to about something like the Holohoax, but then just take on face value what they're told by the same media about another event in 2016? How, how can... That's more than cognitive dissonance, dude. There's something else going on, if you ask me. Well, look, and I, I appreciate that, and that's something that I, I will come into re remembering next time I listen to them. But uh, f for that... I mean, you can't take away what they have done and, and the culture that has been created um, that, is, that is entirely heretical. It's, it's, the, it's the tip of the heretical wave at the moment. Um, and you look, they may, they may be cognitively uh, keeping things or what they may know more than they lead on, but the reality is they are race realist. They are educating people left, right, and center on the internet about white genocide and kind of white displacement and nationalism and Marxists and feminism and, um, you know, anti-masculinity. And, you know, it, it's taken from all the parts of the internet, like the manosphere and all this kind of stuff, and it's, it's gelled into one. So, yeah, there are probably parts of it that maybe are controlled, but the, the great majority of it, and I'm willing to say 80, 85% of it, I think is, is really helpful. And it's what, it's what I would want to see. If, if you were to ask me, what can we, what can we do to, what would, what would things looking better look like? It would be more people knowing what they need to know. It would be more people talking about what they need to know to other people. And it is, it's creating this platform. And, and yeah, I, but I, I look, I appreciate what you're saying, John, because, because, that that fuckery is afoot everywhere. Well, I'm glad you bring up race realism. We'll get. I want to get to that topic sort of to round out the show in a moment. Before we do, Gino's been very quiet there in the background. I know that you're not following the alt right as closely as uh, myself and Sam there, Gino. But just based on what we've spoken about for the last five or ten minutes, do you have anything you'd like to add? 
Hi guys, yeah, look, uh, yeah, uh, regarding the Pulse uh, nightclub shooting, uh, it's hard to keep track on so many of them, uh, these events that are happening, um, Sam, so I'm, I'm sure maybe it was one of many that you looked past, but, uh, but yeah, do, do take the time, it won't take long, maybe might only take you 20 minutes to watch a couple of YouTube videos where people analyze the footage. I, I even made a video when it happened and cocked up about 10,000 views now, which I'm, I'm quite uh, surprised. That's cool. Um, where they, you know, they analyze and, uh, some footage, they, they uh, analyze some of the, the characters that are being interviewed, like, you know, witnesses and stuff, how they've actually got acting backgrounds. And one, one of them is even on IMDb. He's got his own profile on there, and uh, which is what I, find, which I find really strange. I mean, look, you know, you've got to also keep an open mind that maybe it, was, it, you know, maybe it did happen, I don't know, but, but if it did happen, it's just very strange that, um, you know, that, once the news is like interviewing this guy, no one's talking about how he's also an actor and he's fam famous for you know these B-grade movies or famous for this. They, they don't say anything about it, which right. is very which is very suspicious. But anyway, yeah, you'll, you'll see you'll see that it is and it, it is obviously obvious as well because it, there's that new, there's that narrative going on at the moment where they always want to um, uh, make uh, gay people a, a victim, so you know glorifying the whole gay agenda there, plus also demonising Muslims. Uh, um, so it's it's all it's all it's all there in that one. So, but yeah, look, just take time to watch that, uh, watch a few videos on that, Sam. But yeah, look, uh, I only I've only just been hearing this term alt right um, recently. Like I've always sort of been interested in the whole uh, you know uh, conservative right wing uh, type of ideology. Um, I don't I don't quite know the difference 100 percent uh, between just a regular conservative person or uh, a right wing person to an alt right person. I don't know if you if you guys or John or whoever consider give me. Uh, just a handful of like um, uh, things that they sort of um, go by, like things that they believe or some of their ideology um, that makes them an alt right. What 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 classifies someone as an alt, alt right exactly? Sam, do you want to give a like a basic overview of what you think alt right means? We probably should have done this, this half yeah. an hour ago, but better late than never. Yeah. Okay. Well, this this would be this would be my list of of alt right kind of tenets. I would say. Anti-degeneracy, anti-globalism, and race realism is 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 at the top. Is at the top. Um, then I would just say, you know, like love for one's nation, nationalism, a desire for justice. I'm reading this off a off a poster, but it's it's all it's the right point. <laughs> it's yeah. a poster. It's a poster I made. Um, oh, you made it. All righty then. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, a desire for justice is a big one because uh, that is that's that kind of yeah, I, I would uh, I would think that us three share share that kind of innate desire for truth and understanding and this kind of stuff. And a lot of those guys are like that. It's a rejection of weakness. Uh, healthy sexuality is is important. Um, a respect for culture and aesthetics. Like it's very much about kind of you know art and and traditional art and doing things well. Like like you said, John, the the guys you know doing that kind of Washington uh, uh, program about Trump type thing. They're, they're trying to imitate, you know, what we have at the moment, but use that to its full power of propaganda. Uh, the honest pursuit of truth, masculinity. They really, it's it's really about opposition to materialism, biological gender reality. Uh, so yeah, gender realism, and and you know, obviously that that comes under anti-Marxist, very anti-Marxist, very anti-feminist. Disdain for Islam. Uh, it is knowing about the Jewish question. Uh, propaganda is something that's talked about a lot, and understanding the media, uh, philosophy, and free speech—that's something that ties everyone. Um, 
and upholding upholding tradition. Tradition's a huge one of of each uh, person's homeland. But that's that's what I would say. That's my that's my best rundown that I could give you. Yeah, and if I could add to that just quickly before we throw to Gino, the main place that I see alt right material is a place called Four Chan or Eight Chan now. And they have a board called Poll. It's an image board, which is like a forum, but where there's more of an emphasis on posting memes and pictures. And there are all kinds of discussions. So there might be a topic on a new right-wing party in Germany, or there might be a topic on uh, Evil Lion, this new YouTube star, or there might be a topic on should young men still be trying to get with women and have children. And like there'll be social issues mixed with political issues. And the majority of the user base are. Jew-wise, they're holohoax-wise, they're race realists, they get all of this stuff, and the discussion that follows is a bunch of predominantly young white men discussing the situation we find ourselves in. That's the general alt-right, but of course, like any movement or social organization, there's always a few people at the top getting the most prominence, and so some of the more prominent people of the alt-right or people who promote themselves as being alt-right or who are promoted by some of the leaders of the alt-right are characters like... Milo Yiannopoulos, who is, of course, a gay Jew, right? And so a lot of the discussions come down to we don't even want to call ourselves the alt-right. In fact, there are people arguing that the term alt-right was coined by a Jew. So you've got a whole bunch of people who are anti-Jew or who are at least wise to Jewish control because, as we all know, Jews do control, I mean, the Federal Reserve, Ben Bernanke, Janet Yellen, Alan Greenspan, all Jewish, the mainstream media, five of six media companies controlled by Jews, on cultural Marxism, feminism, pornography, Jews behind all of it, right? That's just fact. That's not an opinion. That's a fact, right? So these people are aware of all of that, and so they're saying, if we've been given the term alt-right by Jews, is that something that we want, right? And so that, that poll board is where a lot of discussion takes place. But the alt-right in general, what is it really? That's something that, that's like, there's no there's no simple answer, Jenna. Does that, does, does that make sense to you? Yeah, um, I was, I was uh, quite happy with that response, guys. Thank you. So based on based on what we've told you, could you see yourself going and checking out HN and having a look to see for yourself? Uh, no. After, after well, you've checked out after you've checked out Reddit, no fap, of course. Uh, this is gonna be your second stop tonight once we finish the show. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to check that out. But um, there's a bunch of guys I've sort of been watching recently on YouTube in my spare time, and uh, they are uh, that Ben Shapiro guy and um, uh, Gavin McGuinness, and uh, who else? Uh, Peter Hitchens. And these guys, um, oh, 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 and and that uh, Bill Burr guy, I enjoy watching. Uh, I don't know, there's something when you know, yeah. I, I I enjoy their comedy and I enjoy what they say. I sort of agree with most of it, so that's why I like watching this stuff. Now, are these so, guys, Sam, were they, these guys alt right or what? Are, what what no, these guys be? No, so so what? This is this is a great question that you asked that we'll be able to clear this up for you and for anyone listening uh, pretty clearly. Is that Gavin McInnes and the Ben Shapiro's, and not so much Ben Shapiro, I don't think he does, but definitely Gavin McInnes and uh, not Peter Hitchens, but Gavin McInnes is a good good thing. He would call himself alt-right, but the people on poll, the people that are actually you know, doing these podcasts and writing the blog entries and whatever, they, they say, no way, he's, he's not alt-right because alt-right at its most... I don't know, purest form is white nationalism. That, that is what it is. It, and, and anything else is kind of what they would call cuckery, cuck, cuckold. Righto then, okay. White nationalism, okay. Yeah, well, like European nationalism. 
Yeah, oh, well, look, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with all that sort of stuff, you know, but I, I do respect someone that if they were to have those views, you know, they're welcome to have so. But you probably get the, the, the brainwashed masses out there that if they hear people talking like that, they'll straight away, their mind will think, oh, a racist or a, you know, that's a different right. person. But that's, and, that's uh, what they're fighting back against, Gino, because our, our culture, that's what it's turning into. You, you know, a white person just says something that's specific about a black person or whatever, and suddenly you're getting called racist. They've just gone past the point of caring. It's, it's, it's agreeing and amplifying. It's, it's instead of going to the person that calls you racist, no, I'm not a racist. It's going, actually, yeah, I am a racist and I care about my people more than I care about yours. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Have you, uh, have you heard of that uh, old um, ex-Australian politician called Mark Latham? I have, yes, and he he's considered alt right, but not he wouldn't consider himself. But he he speaks the he's the only Australian guy that we we would look to and go, yeah, this guy's this guy's cool. Yeah, he came out of nowhere. I remember he was in an election with John Howard about ten years ago, twelve years ago, and he lost. That's all I remember the guy of, and uh, and he was a Labor guy too. Uh, which yeah, I find interesting. that's right. And uh, if anyone overseas listening, the Labor Party is like the. Uh, Equivalent to Democrat Party, so that he was like a liberal, uh, you know, a liberal sort of person, a lefty, and yeah, he's turned into this, uh, yeah, as you said, he's just uh, sort of an alt-right type guy. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen a couple of YouTube videos that they've ever gone around with him, and uh, yeah, it's quite interesting, quite funny what he says. Um, it was it, there was a video that I watched. It was like uh, one of those Q and A type shows, and um, he was on the panel there, and someone, Carl Stefanovic, that's right, he was uh, talking about how some politician said the word uh, Negro and, and you know, all the people on the panel were saying, oh, you can't say the word Negro. That guy should, re you know, resign, step down. And Mark Latham just jumps in and starts criticising that, saying, well, what's wrong with the word Negro? And, you, what, and what's this? You can't even say Aborigine anymore. And, like, you know, he's, he mm. just, he says, yeah, he's just, it's, yeah, saying stuff and like that in this day and age is, like, really, it's like really out there now. That's right. And that's the very attitude that the alt-right has at its core. It's, and that's what it's trying to do. It's trying to be that pushback against the left, against the Marxists, against the against social the socialist alliance and all that kind of stuff. They have had no one countering them, but all the Marxist points are so easy to counter. They've had no, no one doing it. And now there is, there is a mass movement globally in European countries and Europe, people were European descendant. And it, it is happening, man. And and, the, and I tell you what, man, the Jews are getting their knickers in a knot. Uh, everyone's getting their knickers in a knot over this. It's not it, It's not like, you know, someone puts out a, oh, the Boston bombing was a hoax and bloody a thousand people see it and it does nothing. This is actually a social movement that if enough people go, yes, I'm a racist and I don't care, at, at, a, at a particular point, they're going to have to recognize that as a, you know, sect of people and... If enough people back each other up, why why not? Yeah, and I see it, what you're saying. Uh, but yeah, not, no, no, there you go. <laughs> I do, I, and I don't, you know, no, no one means white nationalism to mean everyone else is inferior. It just literally means that we want all groups to have their homeland. Every group around the world that is not white is has their homeland and it is set in stone china will be chinese in 50 years japan will be japanese in 50 years you, you know you can go on africa will be africa in, in 50 years but all the european countries are getting influxed with immigration which is backed by the usual suspects and this is you know it's all it's all part of that and so it's it's about recognizing 
it's about whites waking up and recognizing that they are in fact a group usually you know we usually go around and we don't see ourselves like that we're we're all too happy to just be like oh we're all humans and that that i think is is all well and good but it's not the reality that we've been assigned in in this world that's not true like there are different everyone has different interests each group has a different collective interests that they work towards and they fight for and whites have been encouraged to just give up their that interest and that's that's kind of where the alt-right is working from yeah i, I can see that yeah um yeah and uh, yeah this, the other thing too to bear in mind is uh, this over uh, overly powerful sort of political correctness um that's just gone insane and that that could be something else, as you said, that this alt right movement is fighting against as well. This this political that's, that's exactly it, it's, yeah. It's it's all it's all the tentacles of one octopus, though, my friend. It's it's all the same thing. Yeah, I don't I don't know, but you know, uh, being against multiculturalism and stuff. Yeah, uh, but how, okay, so but how do they how do they protect multiculturalism? How do they protect immigration to happen? And you know that immigration is is funded entirely by Jews, right? How do they stop that from happening in the public? They create a dialect of control, which is PC, which says it's racist to determine who comes into your country or not. See, that's that's where it works. It, it, it's all one monster, Gino. So when you when you want multiculturalism but you don't want PC, well, they're they're not mutually exclusive, or or they are. That's that's actually I'm not sure how I should use that. <laughs> I get what you're saying anyway, but yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I don't. I don't necessarily agree with you all this stuff about uh, what you're saying about uh, it's all coming from the Jews because I don't know from where I'm sitting it's 100% true. I haven't got I haven't seen 100% evidence on that. Uh, and whether or not um, you know white countries being ch uh, changed from multiculturalism, all, you know non-whites being flooding their countries and stuff. Uh, I don't necessarily have a huge issue with that. Obviously, just that you know it is what it is. You can't really do anything about it. But uh, when someone does, when someone that's 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 a you know that's obviously is a Caucasian person, is a white person. That does have a problem with it, and they they say they've got a problem with it. I, I certainly I, I don't blame them at all. I could be like, okay, you know, I can see that. You know, you, I I don't I wouldn't judge the person at all. Uh, whereas as I said, most people would probably you know have a go at you if you if you yeah. admitted that to most people out there. But I because of the way I look at it, though, if you, if you look the way yeah, it's a conditioning exactly. But the way I look at it is if you go um, into uh, one of the towns in uh, I don't know, well, I can't think of one, like maybe India or somewhere and. But let's say that India wasn't as populated as it is. Just say it's only like 150 million instead of a billion. Uh, and all these Irish people decided to, to just go there. Irish and some uh, German people just started going in there because, you know, uh, you know, Ireland was being bombed heaps or whatever the case is. Yeah. It's, it's, there was, uh, there was a economic, good economic reason to do it. Yeah, for whatever reason, somehow they, those countries got fucked up somehow. I don't know how. And then they started just flooding um, uh, what Dubai and whatever it is and and – all of a sudden, you know, the Indians are starting to look around saying that there's a lot of white, there's a lot of Germans here, I don't know, for some reason. There's a lot of uh, Swedish people. I don't know where they're coming from, but we're getting outnumbered. And, you know, someone had a, a problem with it, like an Indian person said that. You know, if you, if, you, if you concoct that or if you imagine that sort of analogy that I'm just saying now and the Indian person has a problem with it, it's, you know, it doesn't seem like it there's anything sense. wrong with that. They go, he said, yeah, but That's if you right. think of it the, the other way around, which is actually what's happening in reality, um, that that white that, that white person gets fucking demonised for thinking that way. It's, 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 exactly I find it very right. strange. I, I do find and it very it, strange. How, and it's a topic that doesn't get talked much these days, and that's another reason why I find suspicious. But if if you look at if you look at the white birth rate around the world, you know, and this this is where it does become a problem. If if you look at the white birth rate, 
it's almost and in some parts of the world it's it's at non-replacement levels so they're bringing in they're bringing in people from the third world who are likely to have seven kids or more each and and they know that the white replace birth rate isn't at replacement levels so they know what the future looks like and i would also say to the comment where you said oh, it, it, it's going to happen anyway it can't be stopped these things only happen because of policy. These things only have, and this is where Trump is, is I think important because these things literally happen from paperwork between governments and between people and between businesses and financiers or whatever. These are deals that are done in, in physical real world life. These people don't just appear here on our shores or on anyone's shores. This is, um, this is stuff that is premeditated and worked out beforehand. And, uh, yeah, that that's where you know, that's where it can be stopped. Oh, well, that's that's good. You got a bit of hope there, Sam. But I don't know. We'll see how we'll see what happens in the future. We can't all predict exactly what's going to happen. But my gut feeling says that there's nothing we can do about it. It's just what's going to happen, and that's it. You know, there's not there's nothing that a politician can do and what individuals can do. It's just it's going to happen. That that's my gut feeling. But you've got obviously a bit more hope than I have. I don't know about John if he's got a bit more hope, but uh, I, it's just it's something that's it's something that's not going to be we're not going to be able to yeah, stop. I, look, and I disagree. I, I disagree with you guys whether it's who it's who is actually behind it. I don't know who's behind it. I don't think it is what you're saying. It is. Uh, it could just be uh, just a, the way things have happened throughout history, and it's just we've come to this point in time where all those countries are fucked, and white countries have done really well for themselves. So they just want to come here. Rich people want to get rich. They want more consumers. They want more slaves uh, in those particular countries. It could just be a general thing as well as, you know, I'm just keep, I keep my open mind to that possibility as well. Uh, I'm not For sure. sure. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not convinced on, on what your theory is on that. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, I'd like to ask John, actually, because uh, uh, he's been rather quiet. Um, you know, what, 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 what do you think? Is there, is there something that, that we can do or is it something that's just impossible? It's just going to happen no matter what. Well, I was happy to shut up and let you two speak for a while, actually. I thought that was a good discussion, and I think one of the good things about or one of the things I'm trying to do with the roundtables I have is get the, the host or the guest, the panellists, to have these discussions where we can disagree. And I think one of the problems that a lot of people have now is they can't actually have a civil disagreement about anything, but the three of us, we can disagree about Trump or about the alt-right or about jacking off or about any topic. And, hey, what's the problem? An opinion's an opinion, right? Now, as far as the, the alt-right go, one of the things I like about it is it does give people hope. And when I first looked into the alt-right, it actually gave me hope. For a couple of weeks there, I was starting to get optimistic. I'm like, wow, these guys are right. They understand race realism because the reality is the races are different, right? And what gets me is these people who claim to believe in evolution, but they think we're all the same. It's so utterly self-contradictory. It's hard to it's hard to believe. But I used to be one of those people. Funnily enough, you know what I mean. That's the thing. You have to remember, sort of, you know, brainwashing is very powerful. We all cop the same thing. But anyway, the reality is we're all different. These people are aware of that. Certain people control the mainstream media, finance, uh, all of cultural Marxism, the Frankfurt School, uh, pornography, what we now call feminism the multicultural agenda, you name it, the same people are behind it nine times out of ten, despite the fact they make up a small percentage of the population. That's obviously significant. So these people are aware of those two things. But what gets me is how so many of them, especially some of their leading lights, are completely oblivious to media fakery. And understanding media fakery is important for understanding the mind control of the masses. So the alt-right, even though I think many of the people, I think you're right there, Sam, 80 85%, whether it's 90, 95%, it could be more, who knows. The majority of posters on poll 
and I think the guys behind, say, the Dingo Report or the Darwin Digest, what do they call it, those guys completely mean well, I'm certain of that. But the issue is that in any social movement, any organisation, the, the, the bottom layers don't really matter. What matters are the ones at the top. And it's pretty clear to me some of the ones at the top are at best misguided and at worst misguiding and misleading. And where are they going to take it? I don't know. The fact that they've managed to convince a whole bunch of people who are hip to the hollow hoax and wise to the lies, they've managed to convince them to support Trump. To me, that's a stroke of genius. I think you've got to admire what these people have achieved. Eight years ago, they got young people like me at the time to believe in someone like Ron Paul, who was kind of like a third candidate. That's a pretty that's pretty that's good on them for doing that. That was a pretty good thing. But eight years later, they've gone one step better. They've actually convinced people who should know better to think that Trump is a solution. That's a stroke of genius, and I think you've got to take a step back and hand it to them. Good on them for doing that. What I'm interested in is what happens after the election, whether it's Hillary or Trump. Do these people who are currently on poll, currently on TRS, currently doing these kinds of things, do they become disaffected and disenfranchised like the old Ron Paul supporters? Or do they say, well, I've learnt my lesson. I still know what I've learnt about race realism, about who controls the media. I'm still going to be an activist. Or do they disappear? I think that's that's the important thing for me. That this particular election, it doesn't matter. It's a circus. Uh, red, blue, Clinton, Trump, Gillard, Rudd. Howard, it's all, it's all the same, right? They're all clowns. So the actual election doesn't really matter. What matters is what happens to that 80, 85, 90% of people who are well-meaning but are just currently misguided. And then to answer your question, Gino, about who controls the show, well, like I said, it's quite, it's quite clear who controls the, the banks and who controls no, John, the John, John, you there? John, John? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, wasn't, that wasn't quite the question. The question was, uh, yeah, is there anything that anyone can do about the... Uh, uh, multiculturalism, uh, whatever. What, what's the um, the word we use for it? Like flooding the white countries with non-whites. Uh, is there anything that anyone can do? Or is it going to have oxygenation? Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> well, you can call it. Is there like, anything anyone genocide. can do about it? Can we stop it? Yeah, well, I mean, if you, if you look at the UN definition of genocide, it is a genocide of an ethnic group, the white people. There's no doubt about that, right? So that part's. I mean, that, that's just by the UN definition of genocide. That what's happening to white countries and all white countries is uh, clearly genocide. Now, what can a single person do to stop that? Nothing. There's nothing that one person can do to stop an entire country's descent into degeneracy or into anything. But it shouldn't be about what can one person do to stop the whole lot. It's about what can one person do to improve their own lives. Now, if one person becomes aware that they're being lied to by the media, then the very least they can do is stop believing the media. The next best step, the better step, really, is to just stop consuming the media, stop controlling the mind, controlling and the programming, right? If they understand the people who run the show want you to be unhealthy, psychologically, spiritually, etc., then you stop doing whatever it is that they want you to do, such as consuming their food, consuming their water, consuming their media, doing certain things to yourself, right? You start improving yourself. If a single person can't even improve their own lot, then what chance would they have of improving anything broader than that? So what I say to people is you've got to start by genuinely improving yourself. And if you've been in this scene for six months, a year, two years, and you're not actually provably and de demonstrably better, then then you can't help anyone because you can't even help yourself. But there are a small percentage of us who can show that we've improved ourselves, right? We're healthier, right? We're leading better lives. We're, we're leading more productive lives. We're wasting less of our money on the system, etc. That small group of us, can we influence others? Well, only time will tell. And I remain optimistic. And I would like to think that in the two years that I've been doing this, I've put out some ideas 
that have helped some people to improve their lives. Some of the feedback I've gotten suggests that that's the case. What I haven't been able to succeed in doing yet is getting more people to be more vocal because I think right now one of the big problems that faces us is too few people are airing their opinions. Most people know that the idea that teaching children that transgenderism is normal, most people know that that is bad. They know it. They, they might not be able to articulate it, but they know it. But they will not air it. Why is that? Well, I think because a lot of people have been demoralized. And the point that I made in that video recently about the pro-transgenderism Time magazine is if you look at that article where they're showing a man breastfeeding, right, or a transgender breastfeeding or whatever, and you say to yourself, they're trying to convince us that that's normal and I don't believe it. They can't convince me. I, I win. No, you don't win because the main, uh, the main motivation behind that kind of article isn't to convince people that it's normal is to demoralize everybody who knows that it's not. So if you can see that kind of article and think to yourself, oh, that's not good, but say nothing publicly, not start a blog, not start a YouTube channel, not start a podcast, not speak to the people at work, not speak to your family or friends, but keep it to yourself, well, guess what? That article has beaten you. You might think, oh, it hasn't beaten me because I, I don't think that that's normal. They're trying to convince me it's normal and I don't think that's normal. No, that they would love to convince you that it's normal, but they do that at school. They use the mainstream media to demoralize you. And if you aren't speaking out against this, even though you know that it's wrong, you have been demoralized. It is that simple. So I would suggest, what can we do, EV? We've got to start by improving ourselves, remoralizing ourselves, doing what we know is right, and challenging ourselves to improve. That's what I would suggest any one person can do. If enough of us did that, could we stop this? Absolutely, no doubt in my mind. In fact, I think if even a couple percent of the population started really putting their mind to improving themselves and improving the world around them, it'd be a piece of cake, right? The people who run the show, the enemies, they'd be boarding the first planes out of here if even a couple of percent of the people woke up to this. But right now, we're nowhere near a couple of percent. Even in this scene, the majority of people are doing jack shit. They'll tell themselves, oh, I can't do anything because if I speak out, I'll lose my job or if I speak out... It... And they make excuses because they've been demoralized, right? No one's coming to get you. I've, I'm in a public library right now. I've been speaking for two hours talking about things like the JQ, right? No one's coming to get me. No one's coming to hurt me. People know my face. If people want to track me down, they can track me down. Nothing's happened to me, right? I was able to work a job earlier this year, right? Work a regular uh, nine-to-five job, work a regular job, right? I had a YouTube channel. I Everything that I'm doing, I was doing then, still was able to earn my money, no problems whatsoever, right? So this this idea that people have in their mind of, oh, I can't speak up, no, it's just excuses. You're just being a girly man. You, you, this is our problem. There are too many girly men out there making excuses, and they'll continue to make excuses because they've been demoralized. It's that simple. So I say to people, what can you do as an individual? You can't change everything, but you can start by changing yourself and hopefully remoralizing yourself understanding that you've got all the control of your life that you want. If you decide to lead a degenerate life, well, that's the life, that's the choice you've chosen. But if you want to make things better, you'll start by improving yourself and then trying to spread that to others. It's that simple. EV, does that make sense? Yeah, you're calling me EV. You can call me Gino. Um, but yeah, look, back to the back to the article. Like, um, we've got these uh, conspiracy theories that it's the uh, usual suspects or whoever it is the, that... Uh, that controls everything, uh, you know, making these particular articles to demoralize population so they can control us better and all these evil things. But uh, so I'm open-minded to that. I mean, that, that could be what's going on, like what you say. But also, uh, you know, I could, I've, I've just been thinking, you know, there's another theory that it, it should, could just be 
supply and demand. Um, you know, you've got, uh, you know, these newspaper uh, media companies that, uh, I don't know if they're making the same money as they were when they're able to sell more um, pieces of paper back in the day, when now everything is on the internet, you know, so now they've got to figure out ways to get people locked on those screens so that way they can, you know, somehow sell subscription or be viewing advertising or something like that. And it's just a natural progression from, you know, from the, you know, 60 years ago to now of gradually giving us more shocking and more interesting things to keep us interested in, you know, watching or reading on uh, their websites or buying their newspapers or their magazines. Uh, and it could just, it could it just you know, be, could it just be that we've reached a time now where everyone's not interested in normal stuff now. They want it, they want the most sickest, crazy thing because that, that will be what interests them the most. Um, that, that could actually be uh, another theory as well. But either way, it's still not good, obviously. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but, of course, but, uh, and, but if it is that, um, you know, a, a, a very good way of fighting against it would just be to not um, buy their subscriptions or to not click on their website so they're getting hits. But everyone to just completely ignore, like, say, news.com or uh, that one that you saw the article with the transgender man or woman breastfeeding. I think, I think it was time. Um, if everyone just got, you know, uh, it's hard. It would be impossible for this to happen. But if everyone simultaneously was aware of this and just went, nah, and that's it, no one was clicking on these websites anymore, uh, that, would, that would probably change something, I think. That could, and that could, something, that, that could be something that could happen, um, not realistically, but, like, you know, if there was some sort of magical force that came along, <laughs> And told everyone to do so. Um, be interesting to see what would happen. Let me put it to you like this, Ev. Uh, people think that the mainstream media that their job is to make money, right? But why does anyone want money? They want money because money gives you power. With money, you can uh, buy a product or get somebody to perform a service, right? So you want money because it gives you power. Whereas the mainstream media, if you control that, you've already got power. You don't care if you're making money or not. That's why the Australian loses money hand over fist year after year. But it gives power, it gives influence. All the mainstream media is the same, right? So their articles, their radio stations, their newspapers, this is power over the minds of the people. And so if people want to go against that, then they have to retake control of their own minds. They have to start thinking for themselves again. And unfortunately, when you've been brainwashed for 20, 30, 40 years, thinking for yourself can be a difficult thing. Because you're going to find yourself changing your mind on so many things, so many. Even tonight, we'll discuss a couple of topics that a lot of people, probably, if they're being honest, they don't like the ramifications of thinking about this because they know what thinking is going to lead to. It's going to lead to a logical conclusion, which will be different to what they thought three hours ago or two days ago, which means they're going to have to change their behavior or they're going to have a cognitive dissonance, right? Because when you change your mind but your behavior remains the same, there is a dissonance that's left over. So what these people are doing is controlling people's minds with schools and with the mainstream media. And so if people want to go against that, they've got to start thinking for themselves. But anyone who's studied psychology, anyone who's studied the work of Leon Festinger, things like cognitive dissonance, we know that for most people it is too difficult to change their minds. They've been trained to remain fixed in their minds. And we see it even in this scene. The vast majority of people I've met in this scene they're not really here to improve themselves. They're not really open to changing their minds. They're too proud. And that's why even when they've got no evidence for their beliefs and they're called out on it, they maintain their beliefs. And that's why when they run into someone like me, as a real skeptic, someone who says, yeah, I'll change my mind. I change my mind all the time. Give me some evidence. And they can't do it. They'll attack me rather than changing their mind. That's, that's the reality we face. So I don't sit here trying to pretend 
that we can actually change what's going on. It might well be the people running the show have programmed too many damaged people, too many people who are you know, utterly programmed and demoralized. I don't know, but I think any individual can go against the, can go against the grain and can remoralize themselves. And I think that should be enough. Even if you could show me a crystal ball and in 20 years they've gone full bestiality, they've gone full necrophilia and they're making LGBT transgenderism seem like a seem like the good old days. Even if that even if that's what we're headed for, it doesn't mean that I have to be a part of that. No one has to be a part of that. And I think anyone who would give up and say, "Well, if we can't change the world, then I'm going to give up." Well, yeah, you've been demoralized. You you have ended up the product of a system that was designed to make you what you are. You lose, game over. That's simple. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't seen uh, the balance sheet of um, the Australian or Herald Sun or Time or whatever it is, all these media companies. I don't see um, – I don't know if there's any of them that can publish their results or whatever. I, I, I haven't looked into that. But, uh, if, I mean, that's a good point you raise. I mean, if, if they are all um, not making money and it's not about money or whatever it is, then I suppose, then, yeah, then it is about um, – Propaganda and and brainwashing the masses for an agenda of, of some kind. I don't know, but but yeah, I, I, yeah. Uh, Sam's being rather quiet, hasn't he? Hello, hello. I've just been listening intently. I've got to I've got to go soon, guys. Yeah, I'll, I do like to keep these podcasts to around two hours. I think that's a good uh, round time. And this this show has been a very uh, eclectic, hasn't it? It's gone it's gone all over the place, and um, not at all where I expected, but. Hopefully we've got enough good material out there to make it worth listening as well. So we might as well go around and get our final thoughts for impromptu chat number eight, and uh, we might as well go last in, first out. So Gino, it's been a big show, mate. We've discussed a lot of things. Any final thoughts? Take a couple of minutes and uh, leave the audience with uh, your final thoughts for impromptu chat number eight. Thanks, John. Look, uh, and also uh, to one of your comments uh, at the beginning of the show, uh, you said that I obviously haven't watched your video. Uh, well, I did watch the video, uh, but I, obviously what I was saying at the time, I, I don't know, I can't remember what I said. Uh, it, it wasn't very thorough, and you took it as I was if I hadn't watched your video. I did watch it, yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the latest one, look, you, you, you said stuff about how the transgender couple, um, how that the, 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 the wife, I, I don't know what it was. It looked like a man, but the one that looked more like a woman that had long hair was, was uh, hitting uh, the husband or the, the, the one that had the baby. It's so difficult to discuss this because you don't know how to, who's what. <laughs> but um, yeah, and drink driving uh, whilst you know driving the kid around, and you went into all these uh, statistics showing, um, you know, people that are, are transgender are more likely to, to die after having the the, the post op. You know, I did watch the whole thing. I just want to clarify that. You know, I can I can I can go through the whole video from the top of my head if you like, but I'll stop there. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, look, it's yeah, it's a it's a very um, Interesting topic, but yeah, and it's been it's been a great chat. And it's lovely it's lovely to uh, to meet you, Sam. It was good good chatting with you, and uh, hey, that's likewise. pretty much that's pretty much all I want to say tonight. Thanks, guys. Oh, thank you, Eve. And it was actually your idea to have uh, you wanted to do another reaction video yesterday, but I was a bit tired. I wanted to get an early night, so I said let's do an impromptu tomorrow, and we did. So this is your idea. So for the viewers who have enjoyed it, make sure you uh, thank Gino, and I'll post a link to his video in the info box below this one so you can go and check out his work and he has done videos including one entitled Is There Too Much Gay on TV so do check that out and thank you very much Gino for the company and then Sam a huge debut 
on JLB, uh, YouTube and JLB.com. I think it's been a good chat. Didn't go at all like I expected, but I think we did cover some important topics. Give us your thoughts on your first uh, little visit to JLB.com. Well, John, I appreciate you muchly having me on. I really enjoyed this conversation, and actually, it's so it's very therapeutic listening to the podcast. I'd say even more so just to have a have a chat with a couple of guys that uh, you know nothing nothing's taken too seriously. We don't have to worry about anything here, and uh, I really appreciate that. I think a a big a big part of what we were talking about all throughout the conversation with the wide ranging topics is is really identity. We've been talking a lot about like identity and and the politics around that. And I would like to I'd like to talk more about that sometime with you on a on a podcast. I think that would be cool. Well, what we can do now? I mean, I'm um, I'm fr- I'm up in here in Brisbane for another couple of weeks. Uh, once I get back to Melbourne, who knows what will happen? So what we'll do is sometime in the next two weeks, we'll organise another impromptu chat. And uh, that'll be here on John the Bond Extra. And you and I and possibly EV or other people might join us as well. And we'll discuss a whole bunch of things. One thing I'd love to chat with you actually, Sam, I wanted to do it today, was the Jewish question and what we actually think about uh, these people. Because as far as I'm concerned, and we don't have time to go into too much detail, most of them, certainly the ones that I've met, they're fine people. In fact, when I was growing up, my best, our family, my best friends and my brother's best friend was my best friend's little brother. They were Jewish and they were lovely people and I had no problems with them. I didn't even know they were Jewish until years later. The Jews that I met at uni, they've got to take out mortgages. They've got debt just like the rest of us. I think they're just as much victims, if not more so, because they have to undergo, as as they go through cultural, ritual, uh, baby torture, the males. It, part of their um, culture is to torture in the most horrendous way their little baby boys. So I think they're as much victims as anybody. It's the ones at the top that I've got an issue with because they control just about everything. And it's very easy for people to confuse the two. And so I think you and I should expand more on that topic next time. I think, say you. Yeah, I think you're totally right about that. And I think, uh, I think it's, it's, it's very much – it's about the ideology. And it's about, you know, if, if an individual decides not to take on an ideology or a religion or a, or a you know, a set of actions or whatever, you can only judge that individual – by, by exactly what they produce. And I would only ever do so. When we're talking about Jews, we're talking about the interest generally of Jews and Talmudic Jews and this kind of thing. It's a much more nuanced thing. Yes, I, I, I often forget that someone listening to this kind of talk for the first time may in fact think that the Jews have some, you know, each individual Jew has like a Jew card and they get everything for free or whatever. It's, it's certainly not like that. And I, and I do totally sympathize with the victims of, of, uh, of the Jewish religion. And there are many non-Jews and Jews who are victims of it. Dude, imagine growing up being told that the, the, the people who aren't of your culture gen, genuinely either want to or are the descendants of people who wanted to exterminate you and they had camps for the purpose. And imagine that when you reach the, the age of 18 or 20, whatever it is, you got sent on a camp to uh, on a, a like a two-week holiday to go and see those camps. And then you went to Israel, into that country, and they had these fake uh, rocket attacks because those rocket attacks are fake as fuck. But you think they're real. Imagine going through that. You know what I mean? Like that, oh, that'd, be, that'd be atrocious. Like I, I'm not trying to, to defend the bad ones because there are definitely – like Barbara Lerner Spectre openly admits she wants to see the end of white people. She wants to destroy Europe. You know what I mean? Then you've got people like Rabbi Ovadia Yosef who says that the non-Jews <laughs> were put here to serve the Jews. So there are definitely yeah. evil Jews, no doubt about it. But are all of them evil? I don't think so. In fact, not right. even close. In fact, I'm, I'm certain that's not the case. 
of course not no and we would we would be delusional to think that it's uh it just so happens that this is you know this is a, a set of ideas that have come through these people over over history and uh yeah it doesn't mean that uh, each individual person isn't subject to their own their own views and their own biases and can't come out the other side feeling feeling uh like they don't have to partake in that kind of stuff but i will say that culturally they're so encouraged to and it, it is horrible the kind of stuff that they that they do and have to go through just just like other religions as well i'm not i'm not particularly a fan of many religions but i do think the jewish religion is a particularly particularly damaging one mentally for for its participants and 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 they would like to see mental damage done to 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 all i think yeah and and routine male circumcision is to me utterly disgusting there is no justification or defense for it and the people who've been subject to it and traumatized by it any sane man has to have some sympathy for these people and the effect it must have on them long term and it just so happens that that particular culture that's one of the key parts of their culture this is what they do this is what they do to their own you know and anyone out there who's never done this go and just look up You, you should put yourself through this you have to at least once Go and look up one of these ritual uh, – it's torture what they're doing. It's the most sick, disgusting, depraved thing that you can do to a little defenseless human being. Look what they do, and this is what they do to their own people, you know, and and they're the victims of it. You know, it's it's hard to even articulate in words. Once you've seen the footage of it, and if you haven't, go and watch the footage of it. The footage that I saw was from Eric Dubay's um, Jew World Order video, and it shows the mums like huddled in a corner – and you can see the look on their faces as they hear the little baby scream. Like, they know this is wrong. It's part of their culture. They can't stop it. They've got the men sort of dancing around with this sick look on their faces, one of them putting his mouth on the penis. It's the most disgusting, depraved thing. You look at that, and if there's any goodness in you, you know there's something wrong. And guess what? That's part of their culture. And, yeah, the men performing it are, are doing a terrible thing, but the same thing was done to them when they were children. This, this is a sickness that seems to be intergenerational. Well, yeah, and they they want to normalize it for for the next. They and they want to normalize it in the lands that they're in as well, because then it then it makes it not a thing, and they get to continue doing what they're doing. Um, yeah, yes, yeah. And so the, the the simple point that I'm trying to make, and I could I should have probably mentioned this earlier in the show for anyone new who might have been listening. When someone like me says, uh, you know, Janet Yellen, the current chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jewish. Before her, Ben Bernanke, Jewish. Before him, Alan Greenspan, Jewish. My entire adult life has been Jews running the Federal Reserve. I'm not suggesting for a moment that that means that all Jews are bad. And only an idiot would suggest that's what I'm implying. I'm not implying that. And when I say that, if you go through the whole list of people behind feminism, like Gloria Steinem and all of her friends, Jewish, nine times out of ten, I'm not saying that makes all Jews bad. You see what I'm saying? And when I say that the six major media companies who are destroying uh, all sense of morality, promoting things like Miley Cyrus, that five of those six major media companies right now, as we speak, are controlled overtly by Jewish interests. I'm not suggesting that makes all Jews bad, not for a moment. But the fact that they turn up so many times is significant. It is important. It is something that should be discussed. And anyone who says you can't discuss it, what are they trying to hide? On the flip side, the Jews who I've known personally, growing up as a child and then at university, good people, lovely people. One of them, he's one of the coolest dudes I've ever met. Do I think he's evil? No, I don't. If he said to me that he, he's read the Talmud and he believes in the Talmud, man, I don't associate with that guy anymore because there's some sick shit in that book. But all the time I've hung out with him, cool guy. I've got no issues with him. And i tell you this, Roz Ward, I don't care if Roz Ward is uh, Scottish or Celtic or Germanic or Brit. I don't care what she is. 
she's trying to promote transgenderism to children and we know from statistics that transgenderism fucks people up i would rather live next to one of the jews who i met at university than anywhere near Rosward any day of the week do you see what i'm trying to say oh, i would i would ditto that comment ten thousand percent john yeah, and um, and I think it's an important thing to distinction to to make, so especially. If, no, you're right. Uh, I'm used I'm used to being in a little racist hug box, to be honest. You know, where it doesn't it doesn't matter, and you can talk about whatever. But you know, you're right. That you need to be let in softly to this kind of stuff sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it, new people are going to listen to this kind of stuff, and um, you know, it's important. They've, they've been programmed. You look at movies like um, American History X with Edward Norton. They've got a new one out now with the guy from Harry Potter. Same yeah. thing. They are yeah. Harry Potter got. and the Final Solution. Yeah, exactly, right? So they're, they're programming people. And I was programmed. Like, I'll never forget, the first time I was exposed to all of this was to a guy called Mike Sledge, right? Because I was looking into cultural Marxism. I kept hearing this word, and I was like, I want to look into this. And I found a podcast by this dude called Mike Sledge. Now, it turned out he'd been a part of uh, Renegade Broadcasting, I think. I'm just, this is all going back a couple of years now. And I'm listening to what he has to say, and he's explaining point by point who are all the people behind cultural Marxism and all the degeneracy they've brought into society. These are my words, not his, right? I'm just giving the basic overview. Yeah. And then he starts talking about what you and I would call the Jewish question. And at first, that anchor that was put in my mind, that was programmed into my mind, it started coming. I'm like, hold on, this guy was making so much sense, and now he's, now he's acting like a, a Nazi? And fortunately, I was smart enough to realize, hold on, I'm having an emotional reaction to a man mm. who's actually making a really good point. So I listened more. Then I started listening to Renegade Broadcasting and then I started watching documentaries like Spielberg's Hoax, Last Days of the Big Lie, which opened my eyes big time. That guy, Eric Hunt, he is a genius and he's a hero and he's an inspiration of mine. And so it changed everything. But even I was heavily programmed by this, by this nonsense that they put into people's minds that anyone who speaks about these things is evil. And I think anyone who looks at what I have to say, checks out my website, reads my blog, listens to what I have to say, ask me questions, here's what I have to say in reply, they'll see I'm no evil person. I don't mean harm on anyone. I'm trying to stop the harm that's being done. And I can prove to you that transgenderism fucks people up. I can prove it to you with scientific studies. I shouldn't need scientific studies. It should be common sense. But if you can't use common sense, I can prove it with studies. And these people are promoting this degenerate shit to children, right? I'm the one who cares about the children. If you want to see children taught that boys aren't really boys and girls aren't really girls, you're the sicko. You're the one who wants harm. There's something wrong with you. And I think it's very important people understand we're not, those of us who are awake to the JQ and the Hollows, we're not, not all of us are evil people. Some of them are fucked up, like on poll or at um, different, different forums I see. There are people who are calling for uh, racial, like bad things, right? And it's, you know, what they use terminology that I wouldn't agree with. And they talk about things like chimp outs and this kind of stuff. I'm like, there's no need for that. You know what I mean? Like today I was at the park, right? I like to go to the park to do push-ups and pull-ups, right? I think it's good for you. So I'm there and I see this old Indian couple with what was obviously their grandson. It was during business hours. So obviously their son or daughter, probably their son has brought them into the country. And so they've, they're obviously living in an apartment nearby, whatever. I live close to the city or where I'm staying right now is close to the city. So you've got this old Indian couple all dressed up in their Indian garb, right? trying to take care of their little grandchild and the little grandchild was being a little a little rotten terror actually and i'm thinking to myself these poor indian um old old dudes they're much better off in india right they're now in this foreign culture their, their little grandson will probably watch tv and turn into a little degenerate shit just like all the little white kids who watch tv yeah. and they take the worst of of our culture or our culture their yeah. culture 
Yeah, and I'm feeling sorry for these poor Indian grandparents because, okay, maybe this, maybe Brisbane is better than whatever part of India they're from. Maybe. That's not necessarily the case, but maybe that's the case. But they're no better off for being here because now they're nowhere near their own culture. They're still dressing up with the, the crazy Indian garb. They'd be much happier around their own culture. You know what I mean? And some yeah, of it's these... Just, it's just splitting interests. It's just, it's just putting... It's just... Yeah, it, it does. Yeah, and so I, I feel just as sorry for those Indian dudes as I do for native australians who are very quickly being bred out of existence in a country that was built by white people like I've, there are lots of victims in all of this and they're not all white put it that way 100 percent, 100 percent. this has been a very long wrap-up dude so um you've, you've given your final thoughts anything else you want to leave the uh the audience with any websites you think they should check out or anything else no 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 i i just just keep on thinking that's all I would say and keep on like listening to stuff and, and the more, the more, if you notice yourself having emotional reactions, take, take that step back like John did when he first was looking at cultural Marxism and take that step back and realize that it's an emotional reaction. It, it may very well be an emotional reaction for a good reason or it may not, but have that, have that uh, compartment in your mind where you step back and, and think about it. Good stuff. Well, mate, just stick around and uh, once we've wrapped it up, we'll have a quick chat uh, off the air. But I think you've made a terrific debut. Thank you so much to yourself and to Gino for making impromptu chat number eight a program or a show that hopefully people have gotten something out of. I certainly hope they have. My final thoughts just quickly are this. It's one thing to know that you're being lied to or that you're being manipulated or the people who are controlling your schools and TV are not your friends. It's one thing to know that, but it's another thing to act upon it. And I think the vast majority of the people involved in this scene on YouTube and other alternative media outlets, they, uh, they know enough to know better, but they're still leading basically demoralized, degenerate lives. And you're no better than the people who watch Fox News and CNN if you can listen to this podcast or watch the YouTube videos that expose this stuff and make no change. And every day you get to vote with your time and you get to vote with your money. And if you're voting with your time to be part of the system uh, to get money, and then you're spending that money on the system, especially on system stuff that'll kill you, like processed food and other crap, then just admit to yourself that you've been beaten. Just admit it. Stop listening to me. Stop inflating my view count numbers and my Orstat uh, visitors to my website numbers. I don't, I don't want you around because you're going to bring down me and anyone else who's actually trying to make improvements to their lives. I've made improvements to my life. I'm healthy now, physically, psychologically, spiritually. I'm better off because I've made changes because I was willing to admit that what I was doing wasn't good for me. And that's how I've managed to make improvements. And if you can't do that, if you cannot admit that there are parts of you that can improve right now, then you've got an ego problem, which is part of the programming. They want to train you to think that by the time you're 18, you know all there is to know. We can go to uni and learn even more, even more indoctrination nonsense. And if you're too proud to accept that maybe you're wrong about something, then you'll never improve when you are wrong. And we've all got improvement to do. So to those of you out there who listen to this for entertainment and who think you're smart but are doing nothing, well, you've been beaten and it's sad. But I personally haven't been beaten. I'm excited. I've got some big things coming up. By the end of this year, I'll have made more than my, more than my fair share of a mark in this scene, I'll tell you that. And I'm feeling fantastic. And to the small percentage of you out there who are improving yourselves, I want to say a huge thanks for listening. It's been an amazing journey so far. About two years I've been active in this scene much more to come. I'm feeling really good. Hope you are too. Thank you so much for listening and impromptu chat number eight on the 6th of September, 2016. Do check out johnlebon.com. That's J-O-H-N-L-E-B-O-N.com. Plenty of material there. But until next time, you guys take care of yourselves.